Hey everyone, and welcome to Cinema Span. I'm your host, Louis Hilligus IV. We are covering the films of 2007 this season. Uh, joining me today, I've got Sam Penelis, uh, producer at Two Lemon. Uh, and then we also have Robin Beck, writer and professional huge fucking nerd. Thanks for joining me. <laughs> well, thanks for having us today. Yeah, of course. Uh, today we are covering two hot films, Hot Fuzz and Hot Rod. Kind of like, uh, they're both comedies, like d- dumb films, you know, Definitely. for sure. They're like two two opposite ends of the same, like, coin of, like, dumb comedy. Right. Uh-huh. Like, like absurdist. The, yeah, very much like one plays with the form and one just is like, we fell down, but in a much funnier way than you'd expect. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's, it's like dumb smart and then dumb dumb but like smart dumb dumb yes yeah what it is is one move one dumb movie making smart jokes and one smart movie making really dumb jokes yeah that is a very astute observation that, that's pretty good <laughs> and it's just the fact that like hot rod you know getting into the one that we're calling dumb in the first place like was meant to be a will ferrell vehicle makes a lot of sense oh absolutely God, I, once i read that doing research i it, like it actually changed my viewing of the film this mm-hmm. time through I, I was actually amazed like there there's a lot of lines of feel like holdovers even yeah. from the will oh, ferrell definitely. version yeah um i'm like yeah we'll probably start with hot fuzz though um directed by edgar wright uh written by simon Pegg and edgar wright how, how do you guys uh, like Edgar Wright? What are your general feelings on him? I really enjoy Edgar Wright. I uh, think his his filmmaking edit and editing is like very iconic and very like, especially in the Cornetto trilogy, which I think is his best work. Because kind of post Cornetto trilogy, like you have Baby Driver, which I thought was good, but like is kind of hit or miss. But like that Cornetto trilogy is like really just. Out of the park. Yeah, it's Perfect. kind of the gold standard for him. The Shaun of the Dead, Hot Fuzz, and then The World's End. Yeah. Um, but it also feels like a series that self-imploded. Like, by The World's End, the whole point was, like, we have to grow up and mature past this point. Like, we can't keep even doing these movies, you that's know? That's a really good point. Yeah, um, that seems about right, Gex. Yeah, he's, he's a guy I, like, respect a lot, but, mm-hmm. like, it's... And I like so much of what he does, but a lot of it is, like, these... Well, these twenty-something-year-old men need to grow up. Well, these thirty-something-year-old men need to grow up. Yeah. <laughs> well, these forty-something-year-old men need to grow up, and then we move out of there to Baby Driver and uh, Last Night in Soho, which are departures on like the theme, but still have that same kind of like style of. I guess you could even say that the Baby Driver needs to grow up, and the woman who's in college Absolutely. needs to she needs grow to, up. Baby driver is all about taking r- responsibilities for the crimes that he's committed. Right. Yes. And like actually going to jail like that. He gets the happy ending. Cause he, he uh, even if it's a fantasy at the end, him being let out. Yeah. Um, it is funny though. I think probably Edgar Wright's best film outside of the Cornetto trilogy is, is uh, Scott Pilgrim versus the world. Oh yeah. yeah. And, and that again that is, is, also, a, is a, you're a 20 year old who needs to grow up. Movie. Well, you need to be a 20 year old to, and date other 20-year-olds. Yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> that's that's rough. That's like, yeah, buddy, you can't still be in high school. I always, I, it's weird. I love Scott Pilgrim so much, but I always forget because it's in the middle of the Cornetto. So, like, I feel like it's, like, it should be afterwards or before, but it's yeah. actually somewhere, like, in the It's right out. It's between Hot Fuzz and World's End, right? I, I think you're right. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I think it's probably my favorite Edgar Wright yeah. film. I, I wonder if it's simply because it, it's his best budget. Because he's the type of guy that has, oh, like, all the stylistic flair and, you know, has a million ideas. He just kind of needs the budget to execute it. Yeah. 
Um, but yeah, the use of sound effects and like flashy visuals through all of his films, like it Wait. really is unparamounted. Even if he's like cribbing Tony Scott style and like some montages here, um, he, he's putting his own twist on everything that he takes. Well, it was fun because in, in rewatching Hot Fuzz for this, it was I, going into the like Scott Pilgrim of it. I noticed there were like video game sound effects like he used, like yeah. especially when, uh, you know, our, are we going into any kind of spoilers to warn anybody? But like, you know, when they go into the bar, like in that like third act climax, like when they're fighting the bar owners, like there's a lot of like Super Smash Brothers-esque like oh, shooting yeah. and like yeah. maybe even like the home run bat from like Smash Brothers. It sounds like a lot of that specifically in that scene, which was uh, a, a, almost disconcerting. It was like, oh, it was, it was like cartoonish and outlandish for certain parts. And then it was like, all right, now we're in video game land too. Yeah, I think uh-huh. that bar shootout is even a callback to Shaun of the Dead because mm-hmm. um, in, in they, there's a shootout um, in the bar at the end of Shaun of the Dead. Um, and in the first act of Shaun of the Dead, they're playing video games and they're, uh, Sean's calling out, or I, I, I don't know what Edgar, or what the, sorry, I don't know what the character names are, but Simon Pegg is calling out to, to Nick Frost's character saying like, you know, go left, uh, go right, you know, behind your shoulder. And, and they use like one of those terms, like back uh, mm-hmm. up left mm-hmm. in, in this movie too. It's a, uh, just kind of like a blank and miss it spot, nice. but I and think that's probably why they bring in the effects again. Like, they're just like, yep, same shorthand. Yep. Uh-huh. And not to mention how the climax of it of, of Hot Fuzz is really uh, formatted like uh, like the level of a video game. And they literally say, we're going to go fight the boss now. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. It, yeah. And there's that at the fair, too. Like, they, they present it like a game. And it's like the, the, the plot of the movie where they're like, okay, shoot all, the, all five little men. And then you can collect the fuzzy monkey and go home. And yeah, Nick Frost is the fuzzy monkey. They even make a joke about that later, calling yeah. him the fuzzy monkey. Like <laughs> he doesn't know the difference. Like talking about the monkey or me. Yeah. Uh, yeah. This this film was packed with, with jokes. It's uh, I, I I I most of them hit for me. I mean, I I think this is my favorite of the Cornetto trilogy. I would agree. Um, I, th- I think I would put Shaun of the Dead probably higher up for me, just because rewatching this one again, it was, it was uh, it was relentless amounts of jokes and like again playing with the form of like how much it edits but i did i did get overwhelmed a lot in that like middle section like especially when they're going to like the false conclusion of like where simon Pegg's character goes it's a lot of it is funny but it's like it's it's so much that's like right on top of each other and their story and there's all this that like maybe i was just a tired boy that day but it was it, it was a lot for me but it was still like great it was just uh so much all at once. Yeah, the the plot is an interesting one because it's uh like the whole plot is a red herring essentially. Mm-hmm. Anything that that Nicholas Angel is, is trying to you know figure out as far as like a, a greater conspiracy is going on is, is not the case because yeah. the actual conspiracy here is it's the NWA. They're they're the Neighborhood Watch Association, <laughs> like just the what, best term ever. What, was that intentional? In any of your research, did you don't feel like they like decided to call themselves the NWA for? I, I, th- I think there's a joke in one of the like one of the behind the scenes like it's they, they've got a, a, a little whiteboard set up and they're they're going through the plot and I, I think they they had named it maliciously like that it's just kind of funny because it's all old grandmas and stuff yeah, it's right. such you know? a great joke yeah um, and that's that's exactly like the, the logic of it may you know doesn't really make sense but you're like it's funny so so you go along with it mm-hmm. um, but yeah uh, what was I saying the Basically, just the, the the plot of this like it is all one great red herring, um, which can be a little disappointing because it, it feels like 
you know, you, you want the mystery box of this to work, but really it's just a character journey, this, this whole film. Yeah. Exactly. And it's, it's just nice to have the, like, the character or, like, the plot misdirect because by the time you get to that third act where it literally is just, all right, we're going to go and shoot people for the whole time. It doesn't yeah. make sense why he's decided to just start going guns blazing because, right. like, there's no evidence. I, he has no evidence <laughs> to do any yeah. of this. And, and like, he, yeah, he's been wrong before. Yeah, and he's, he's just guessing, but, like, it works so perfectly because the plot up to then hasn't mattered because he was wrong because every corner they turned was incorrect. So all you got to do is just care about the people you care about. And if you do, you'll be along for the ride at the very end when he's like, time, time to go. Yeah. And he actually doesn't kill anybody. It's like crazy that there's so many firearms yeah, and right. no firearm deaths. I, I didn't even realize, I think the first time I watched this, that they were taking everyone out non-lethally because mm-hmm. it just, the, the, the impact of all the hits, like, like yeah, I mean, he shoots a couple of people in the shoulders. Yeah. Um, the, the old grandma too. gets hit by like a potted plant <laughs> like that. Well, that he, would crack your skull open. Uh-huh. Like, but even the guy who gets like the bear trap to the neck, like you see him for yeah. a split second, like at the police station where they're taking his picture. So he lived. Yeah. Oh my God. It's, it's insane. Fine. And then the, yeah, the guy at the end, the supermarket owner who gets the, the spike through the, his, <laughs> yeah. his tongue. Like, yeah. Oh my God. Timothy Dalton is my favorite part. He's incredible. Of Hot Fuzz. Ha- have either of you seen him as Bond? Not for so many years. I yeah, I, I never. I haven't seen any of those. I've seen Roger Moore and Connery, but yeah, that's pretty much most of what I've seen. Have you seen him in Looney Tunes back in action? <laughs> no. Also, not for so many years. Oh my god, it's amazing. I I need to though. I make. I, I love Joe Dante. You know. Oh, pouring out for the man who 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 wanted to have it all, and every time the studio would just tell him, "You can't have any of it." Yeah, God. <laughs> it's okay. What's Hollywood for? But but broken dreams. Exactly. Oh my god! Yeah, <laughs> I do like the speaking of like Timothy Dalton and like how I don't know, how many just like British like superstars just were in it for you know some of them were in it actually for a lot because uh, Jim Broadbent is like uh, I think that was him uh, who was like the police captain yeah oh uh, yeah, yeah and yeah. like is in there for like a good amount of it and you got Timothy Dalton that's like you know the the, the bad guy, but then of course yeah, you Bill got, Nye, Bill, you know? yeah, Bill Nye, Nye being like the yeah. the other police captain was Absolutely. a great uh, addition. Like you know, because you get Martin Freeman, then you get Steve Coogan, then you get Bill Nye. It's like a great. Yeah, it's a big year train. for Bill Nye too. He's in uh, Pirates of the Caribbean as, right. as Davy Jones. Oh you know, wow. And I swear he does like the same like nose acting gesture here that he does like in a scene with Jack Sparrow. <laughs> like so like I clocked it. I was like, holy shit. <laughs> That's great. Have you already covered uh, hit Pirates of the Caribbean on this? Before? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so, get, so the audience thoughts. knows the Bill Nye uh, uh, canon of his acting of in the year 2007. Yes. Uh, good to know. <laughs> uh, it's a man who finally hit his stride in the last year, so I'm I'm one of the people, few people who saw Living, uh, his Oscar-nominated role. Oh, my God, I did oh, see that. Yeah, uh, an adaptation of Akiru, right? Yeah, Akiru, I loved Akiru uh, I as too, well, yeah. and so Living... Anyway, shout out to the folks who are uh, looking for 2022 movies. Living, great movie. No one saw it. You should see it. I still need to catch up on it. Yeah, uh, yeah. It, it's it's insane. Uh, there's there's tons of like like you said British uh, celebrities like strewn throughout this, and it, it feels like the type of thing that doesn't happen without. I don't know. Edgar Wright's such a cinema fan, and I think he just kind of was the guy to be like, let's call up this person. Let's call up this mm-hmm. person. Because uh, they got actors out of retirement to, to come back into this. Um, and he had, like, you know, Shaun of the Dead under his belt, so I'm sure people were yeah. like, oh, you've proven uh-huh. yourself, but you don't have enough money. I'll come do, like, 
Because I think Kate Blanchett's like the love interest. She is. Like not the love, but you know, at the beginning the of the ex, movie. The ex, the uh, ex. It's 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 yeah. Nicholas uh, Nicholas's ex. Oh my gosh. Yeah, that's and that's Kate. but she's all masked up. So <laughs> you can't even like tell. But again, that's just someone who probably you know either he hit up and was like, oh yeah, you're. Please, can you do this bit part? Or she liked Shaun of the Dead and was like, I'll do anything you can. Oh, you can't pay me? I'll do the mask role. She's yeah. really funny, too, though. Oh, like, it, and that that opening bit of dialogue is really good at just establishing Nicholas Angel's character. But, I mean, what? Like, you, you first see him, and he's framed by, like, broken glass around his head. Yeah. Uh, and then when he walks inside, he, like, goes to the wrong person. And, like, I, <laughs> like to talk to him. Uh, and like that just says a lot about like not knowing who you're dating. Like, yeah, it's it's just layered with with, with great great uh, details. Also, just the joke of of uh, yeah, I didn't want to tell you this over the phone. <laughs> oh yeah, doing it on the phone. Out. Oh, so good. Yeah, exactly. What's the situation? You know the situation. No, I meant the situation in here. Like, yeah. And it's you do realize that window's broken from the inside. <laughs> No, it's, it's so good, especially just that first 10 minutes is, like, establishing his character is, like, one. I think some of the best, like, character introduction, yeah. like, ever to show who he, who he was, who he grew up to be, and now where he's going. Uh-huh. Like, it's it's some impeccable uh, yeah, it, character it, work. Yeah, it, like, delivers enough kinetic energy for the character that, like, you, you understand his drive for the rest of the film. Mm-hmm. Like, like, that is just, like, a given. You're like, uh-huh. yeah, I know exactly who Nicholas Angel is. Yes. Uh, what he I, I I love that scene when he gets uh, stabbed by uh, Father Christmas. Oh yeah, Play, played by Play Peter, Peter Jackson. Jackson. Yeah, <laughs> like, oh, just I didn't just even a great one. That was Peter Jackson. Yeah, I get just another fan that he was like, "Hey, Pete, you know, you got uh, sixty seconds of one of your sh- of one of our shoot days that you could uh, uh, do this for." Literally, yeah. I mean, yeah. If you got one day, you know, come on down. I like to think that British cinema is just all of the superstars sitting around in a big room, and then a light goes off, and they see, oh, movie's being made? All right, guys, single file, out the door. You know like, your lines. All right, Maggie Smith, it's your turn. Uh, all right, uh, you know, because she's in everything British. That's true. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, there, there's something interesting, like uh, I clocked this time, which uh, when they're introducing the neighborhood watch and just kind of giving Nicholas a tour of the whole town, the the, Nicholas, uh, the the neighborhood watch uh, like control center is in the police station, mm-hmm. um, and like they they wave it off as this like oh you know we like to let them think they have power, mm-hmm. but it's such a great tell because the police captain is also in on it, um, but he he's kind of the last domino to fall. Um, oh, yeah, but it, it's a it, it's just a great like. You know, red herring again. Like you're just not going to think uh, about this this plot detail. And it's such like economic storytelling because almost any other writer would like have like a full page to be like, "Hey, why is why is the NWA inside the police station? Right. This thing, this thing." Instead of just using that time to be like, "And here's the head of the neighborhood watch, and here's these people, and just by here they're in the police station." Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Edgar Wright is kind of like. Uh, is really up there with economical storytelling in like most of his films. I that that is the thing. I I don't like not not to get off of this top this movie too much, but like I yeah, Last Night at Soho just was a pretty pretty big bummer for me because I, 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 I agree. I feel like he usually is so on the mark and visually he's doing some of his best work uh-huh. he, he's ever done. Uh with the yeah, mirror was, and the body doubling. Oh, it was and, gorgeous. You know, Texas switches within the 
within one scene. Mm-hmm. Like two actors are playing the same character. It's just just great stuff. Yeah. Um, things you you even see here, like when um you know when they hop over the fence. Uh, and, yeah, and, and they're like clearly switching over to like a different you know a stunt a man. stunt double. Yeah, it, <laughs> it works so well. The, and then you know then they just show Nick Frost's character <laughs> blasting right through it. Danny, yeah, it's so good. Um. Yeah, I, I, but yeah, I feel like just every moment, just every time, just bringing anything up with this movie, just should end with like a, oh yeah, that's great. Like the, yeah, there's no other like better way to just describe how how well it works when you describe exactly. like an element of this movie is just like that that was great. I do I do think you're right though. I think that it probably overstays its welcome by like 15 minutes or something. Well, uh, yeah, I think if they were able to cut it down, because I think it is a lot of. I already I already like uh. Simon Pegg and Nick Frost character like throughout the movie. I think there's like maybe when they go to do like the, the church roof repair thing, I think there might be a little too much extra stuff where it's like, okay, we're, we're being a little too playful. But again, that's just more good stuff that just, I was tired by all the good stuff. There was nothing bad that happened. Right. And so I think if they just had done that and again, their relationship is like a great friendship that doesn't do that like typical, like, buddy comedy thing where it's like we've only known each other for two weeks but you're my best friend it's like no you're a good friend we've gotten to know each other and i want to do things to like help you and improve for the future it's such a smart opposites attract to where like they actually both like like after the events of this movie like they still need each other right because they're driving each other to something else in between that's more functional but um on their own you know like you, you could just tell like Nicholas Angel would hold this town like a fascist cop, you know, if he had the ability to, like he would would be a full takeover. Yeah, seriously. Well, because that's what's so great about their dynamic is that Nick Frost is is necessary for uh, Simon Pegg's character development or, uh, oh my God, I almost said Chris Angel. (laughs) Let's go. Change the whole thing. Simon Pegg's actually playing Chris Angel. I would love that. This whole time. I would love that so much. Um, What's the name of his show? Chris Angel Mind Freak. Mind Freak, thank <laughs> Mind you. Freak. Come on. It's like I needed you didn't someone grow to say up Mind in those Freak. early mid 2000s. I literally grew up in Vegas, man. Like, oh my God, you I saw, did. I That's saw right. those posters. Oh my God. Uh, I saw his Vegas show one time when I went, like my family went when I was like 11 or 12, and it was. I don't know. Are we allowed to be mean to Chris Angel on this podcast? Is this, <laughs> is a, this a safe space? Safe space. Safe space. It's one of the worst shows I've ever seen. <laughs> like it, the mad, there was no magic. It was yeah. just atmosphere, and like that works for some things, but for a magic show, you should probably have a little bit more magic. Yeah, it's Perhaps. weird. He, he's got like a Circus Olay show now. That's like his 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 gig. Like I'm so half, sorry. He's like, I, I only do magic for half the show. You got to bring in some acrobatics or something. <laughs> so sorry if I ruined any relationship you have in the future with Vegas or Chris Angel. It's all right. We'll cut it later. Oh, great. <laughs> Fix it in post. I just want you to feel like you got to say it, you know? Uh, that, that's going on the Patreon. Um, yeah, um, a, lot, a lot of fun stuff here. Uh, what do you guys think about the, the Romeo and Juliet play? <laughs> that That's, like, one of my favorite just containers of, of, like, you know, depending on how tapped in you are to, to local and community theater, mm-hmm. it's, it's going to, you know, gauge how much you get out of it yeah like honestly the best performance during that that performance is simon Pegg's face <laughs> yeah. it's yeah beautiful because he's been to plenty of bad theater so he knows oh, yeah, yeah yes. exactly how to pull from that oh. uh for the ella enchanted girlies out there uh 
the first thing I think of every time I see uh, the gal who's playing who's playing Juliet in that, yeah. uh, I'm always so excited because I'm like, that's the girl who plays Hattie in Ellen Chanton is one of like the bad step- stepsisters. Uh, and that's the only other thing I ever recognize her from. Uh, and yeah, well, I, I haven't seen it. If it helps, that's a, that's a Lucy punch. Uh, and she Lucy also punch. plays the evil stepsister in the into the woods movie. Oh, so she has been a Cinderella esque stepsister in multiple different forms. And she's, she's great. She's a great, like I also made a note of this. She's a great little supporting player, like in everything. Like, I've seen oh, Lucy punch in like so many different things. And I think, I think she was my uh, favorite part of that. The Romeo and Juliet <gasps> type of thing, just yeah. because it, I don't know if this is my own personal bias coming in. I'm not a big Baz Luhrmann guy. I don't like <laughs> Moulin Rouge. So when they started kind of like doing the Romeo and Juliet like death scene and then they go into love contemporary me, pop music, that yes. felt to me like a little bit of a dig at Moulin Rouge. It, oh, I totally it, 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 they, they said it in the commentary that it originally was written as a adaptation of Baz Luhrmann's Romeo and Juliet nice. put onto the stage, <laughs> like, like like making it a round thing again. So yeah, you, gl- you were I'm right on the that. money. And yeah, because yeah, uh, yeah that okay, isn't she wearing like wings, like kind of like how Claire Danes does, like yeah. in the thing? Oh, yeah. yeah, and that just makes it even funnier that an older man is trying to be Leonardo DiCaprio's Romeo. <laughs> it's so good. He's he's so old in it too, and and oh like yeah, when they when they kiss and then she pulls away and then he goes back to kiss more. Just so good. God, I remember I've, I I did a production of a uh, the complete works of William Shakespeare abridged. Oh yeah, and I, oh, I yeah. totally forgot I completely stole that joke because I'm sure it was in the back of my mind. Oh yeah, where I was playing, you know, the guy who's like pretending to be Juliet, and the the other person comes in to kiss me, and then I like go like, oh no, I don't think I felt that, and you know, go for another one. It's like <laughs> ah, now I realize I've stolen that. So sorry, Edgar. I'll I'll give you <laughs> the two set residual. You 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 were able to to twist it enough though that you, you know you s- yeah. yeah it felt it's a it's a pastiche it's it's a, <laughs> it's fair use it's homage it's fair use you're like special thanks to Edgar right in your in your program <laughs> yeah I'll write that in now you know six seven years too late perfect oh yeah the the so so they they pull over the the guy who's playing Romeo um, on the way to the theater and mm-hmm. yeah. Great, great bit of the scene where he just uses the sketchbook to kind of freak this guy out. Lower, that's the character's name. That's his last Lower, name. Lower, yeah, thank you. Hardly um, know her. <laughs> well done. How dare you? Is that the only reason you said that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just to set it yeah, up. Yeah, there's also, uh, you're welcome, because I didn't bring up the other characters who's, who, whose last name is Cocker. Oh, my God. Uh, for oh, that, you're damn- thanking me for not doing that. Well, it's also like this. They, again, they do the same joke in the movie where it's the guy whose name is Pistaker and yep. who's played by uh, uh, Stephen Merchant, another perfect uh, oh, British yeah. casting. Yep. And again, that's I think that also plays into the like, like smart movie, dumb, dumb, dumb. as hell jokes, absolutely, because you jokes. can. I well, and yeah, that, the fact it. that they're chasing a swan, like like for real, <laughs> and that the swan is what like ends up. You know, finishing the movie, right? Yes. It's the it's the final blow to the police captain is, yeah. is dealt by the swan. Deus ex waterfowl. <laughs> Deus ex waterfowl. Uh, actually, but back That's to beautiful. the uh, the uh, to lower. I hardly know her. Uh, she the, that actually was a it was a, almost like a great little movie within the movie too because it added like you know the thing where it gave you the sketchbook and it gave you the. Uh, the, like their kind of first like interaction together of like being partners, right? Mm-hmm. And but then it's all c- totally enclosed with the setup of meeting them, 
going to their show and then their murder and then it's still like is surrounding it but you don't talk about it as much anymore but it's a perfect like almost like 15 minute short film oh, within yeah. the film itself the, the murder's really well shot too yeah like oh, yeah. All, all, the, all the murder scenes are, are like very graphic but yeah they almost have like a ghost face like from Scream yeah like figure just yeah mm-hmm. I mean the, the not ghost face just death <laughs> I mean, yeah. that's true just I did get journalist. ghost face vibes from that I did too but that poor journalist uh, <laughs> every kill was br- that was insane that was a crazy I, one I feel like that one on rewatch every time I'm just kind of like is that okay so this is just what happens like it, like he was happened to be standing in the right spot. I, I guess it could have been any of the pillars because the whole roof was was shitty. But because yeah, uh-huh. that was what they were doing it for was to yeah. repair the church roof, which is a great plant and payoff for anybody. Who's Absolutely, like, that's a why? save the clock tower moment. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's them being like, oh, but why is he perfectly in that spot? Is because anything would have fallen off yeah. and killed him. Exactly. Yeah. It's like Hot Fuzz pays off every single one of its plants uh, in a way that almost no other movie I've seen does like just so perfectly, even, even the sea mine, uh, oh, which God. I have oh. written my notes as a Chekhov sea mine. <laughs> Your notes sound incredible. <laughs> I'm like, Cause the thing is that one is good like by itself. Cause you feel like that pays itself off on its own mm-hmm. when you see the sea mine and then it doesn't go off and it's like, ah right. ha ha it's funny. But then actually having the third layer of it being, a plant a payoff and then a second payoff is exactly. perfect. Yeah, and exactly. You don't care that, you know, everyone is in the building when it goes off and they don't die, but you're like, come on. <laughs> like, yeah, like, I wanted this this movie to end with all the main characters dying. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, I love that bit that they have um, right right before, um, you know, the, the Romeo and Juliet murder where, mm-hmm. where uh, uh yeah, Nicholas Angel's like drive safe. Cause it, it is like a like you said, it's a perfect setup where you're like, oh great, they got the, the script economy out there. And then Danny just comes in and he's like, Drive safe. Did you know that's the guy we almost arrested for, for speeding earlier? Like like they just fully undercut the moment. Like it's, but they but they know that that they had you too. Yes. Um, yeah. Actually my favorite recurring bit I think that is like a plant and payoff is is Yarp. And oh, yeah. Because then he's, it's, you know, answering the questions like, uh, did anything go wrong? And he's got to like pause. Yarp? That, narp? <laughs> narp? Uh, uh, that's a, a and even a like the, the score pauses for a second and like tenses up. Yeah. And, and, and he, and like, si- again, Simon Pegg sells every moment so well because he, he, he plays the intensity but then goes immediately back to kind of just the, the aloof comedy mm-hmm. guy. Yeah. Um, uh, aw man again. <laughs> uh, that's great. It, yeah. Everything is just ends with a perfect aw man. That's great. Yeah. He also just plays such a great straight man to Nick Frost. Absolutely. It, it's a, the, the, the level of his straight man in this is so funny too, oh, yeah. because like, like even when he's describing his backstory, he's talking about how his uncle bought him this, like this, this pedal bike. And, and when he figured out that his uncle maybe bought it with drug money, he said that he put the pedal bike away. Like he was like, like an eight year old kid. And I he know. was like, I refuse. <laughs> like, cause like, even though he wanted to be a cop, that's his personality from the start. Yeah. Was this super serious kind of guy. Oh my God. Yeah. Like fully just like straight legalist, uh, very black and white. Yeah. It is interesting that he is like the, the almost the straight, he's funny in what he does, but he is the straight man in 
the thing, but then in something like Mission Impossible, you know, which everyone check out Mission Impossible, right. uh-huh. Dead Reckoning Part 1. Part 1. Uh, he's like, he's supposed to be like the funny guy, and it's so interesting that he can just be in comedy movies, be the straight guy, still be funny, and then uh-huh. try to pull out like the the only funny part of like a serious movie. Yeah, I feel like this Cornetto trilogy definitely proved that he could do a little bit of action and probably mm-hmm. put them on on his radar. Yeah, but you're right because he's never going to be the Tom Cruise guy. Well, I do think, but he's a great lead for all three of these. Yeah, was it Mission? No, Mission Impossible Three was 2006. I was like, are you ever going to do that one? But I think that was a year before. Yeah, I think of six. That that sounds about right. Okay, that's so the J. That's the JJ Abrams. Yeah, that one, one. Right. Yeah. So sorry, I guess you. Never be able to tell people what you think about that one. <laughs> Never, man. Never. Not until season two. Wait, are we going to go back in time for season I, two? I don't know, man. <laughs> We're going back one year. We're getting in the way, way back machine. <laughs> yeah, uh, we, we get to the double feature pretty pretty uh, quickly here. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, it's such a great reveal when, when um, basically Nicholas Angel is trying to figure out how to switch off. And, and Danny's like, I've got the answer for you. Opens up the closet, just a glorious collection of DVDs. And again, um, another another set of stuff that like I think is similar because he in, in Shaun of the Dead he does like Nick Frost does the same thing where he lists a bunch of stuff that is supposed to happen. Like it's like oh did the, any of these things happen like when they're at the bar and then they do the entire thing throughout the movie. Yeah, and then when he describes the things that he wants and then shows the movies that he like got them from, and then they completely recreate the entire thing bit by bit throughout that like third act is like it's a again it's great great. yeah i know like the point break homages uh when he's like when danny can't shoot his dad so he shoots (laughs) into the air you're like it almost works better than it does in point break (laughs) well because that's i mean not to say that i don't think keanu and uh and uh swayze didn't have like a good you know relationship in that one but it's it was so much it's so much more emotional knowing that you know this guy had like his dad and they specifically are where they are because of, you know, the mom uh, yeah. dying. And it's, I, I haven't seen Point Break in a while, but I don't think it's in, in a similar ballpark it's, of like character work. It's just yeah. the moment just comes off a little cheesier, I think. Yeah. Uh, it still hits. I love Point Break. Point mm. Break's great. Um, I just think you're, you're already sold on the relationship. And so it's, it, it's, it's more like a pointless gesture. You're like, you didn't oh. need to waste those rounds, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> Whereas like, it feels like Danny's like, basically never even fired a gun before like this whole action set piece. And like, he's been longing to get into this kind of police life Mm -hmm. and he's actually confronted with like the movie reality of like having to shoot your dad. Like that doesn't happen in in real life very often. Speak for yourself. (laughs) Yeah. Right. (laughs) Who among us hasn't shot or wanted to fight their own dad? Yeah. Rod, Rod included. (laughs) What a segue. dude. I'm like, yeah, we're, we're like, we're, we're almost there. We're, we're <laughs> almost like, there, but no. Yeah, um, like. But then I'm again, just with the, the homage stuff, the uh, bad boys too, like they completely recreate them getting out of the cop car. Uh-huh. And, like the Michael yep. Bay, like going around them as they put the sun. It's a, it, Edgar writes, uh, photographic memory must be like insane to oh like God, get yeah. that stuff like moment, like almost frame by frame perfectly. Yeah. Like, homage Dude, there's even like a john woo shot um where with like white pigeons flying uh, mm-hmm. behind him and like it, like he really took every big action director and somehow like packed it into this and made it all cohesive and make sense for what he was doing yeah no again like the the montage at the end with like the everyone being booked you know like that that's that's tony scott but then also like they're doing paperwork you know, and they're and like he's like clicking the pens and going badass, and it's just like he makes it work 
yeah. for, for the mundane moments. Um, yeah. Which I, I don't think anyone else had really tried that type of juxtaposition like before him. Uh-huh. I think it, you can, it's a little more common now maybe, but yeah. Or if yeah. they do it, it's like one of those uh, like, you know, hard cut, like they're doing an action thing, then hard cut to the boring yes. shot. And that's uh-huh. like the joke instead of making the joke. The boring stuff is exciting yeah, to them. Like, like uh-huh. turning on the shower, getting ready. Like each one of these can be a, a crazy whip pan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it, that is the power of editing. <laughs> absolutely. But like you have to have it in your head too, right? Because oh, abso- like you, you don't oh, get those shots without yeah. storyboarding oh, yeah. it and knowing beforehand. Well, that's why like not that Baby Driver didn't deserve its Oscar nomination for best editing, but that ha- that had to have been so perfectly like storyboarded. It was essentially yeah. probably like. Oh, yeah plug and play type uh-huh. of stuff. Literally, I think Edgar Wright had a uh, a thing where he said like the whole movie was so was so storyboarded out that they went to go shoot one of the stunts and like the stunt driver is like it's going to take the car longer to do this stunt than what you've allotted it time for. And like he had to like write into the script like baby rewinding the song oh, yeah, 15 seconds so that they could add 15 seconds to that segment. Like yeah, <laughs> that that whole thing was Oh my perfectly God. put together. That's crazy. Um, see, one of my favorite parts of Hot Fuzz will always be really anything having to do with the uh, London police, uh, especially in the beginning, where just the like the perfect joke of, "Well, you're making us all look bad." Oh yeah, you're too you're too good. good. Yeah. You're too good at your job. It's reasonable though because you're like. That if if you have under, any understanding of how you know business or like government and politics work, sometimes it it, it is that oh, you yeah. know. Wait, because if you show you're too efficient, then people will expect that. Which exactly. similar to Bill Nye's role in Living, similar thing where bureaucracy they they want you to gum up the work so that it you don't have to do as much stuff because then people expect every problem to be fixed. Yeah. Bye, Joe, if you got there. I did it. Everyone go watch <laughs> Living with Bill Nye right now. <laughs> so good. I can't wait to hear you bring up Bill Nye in, in Hot Rod for the third one. I'll find a way. Yeah. <laughs> Life finds a way. Exactly. Uh, yeah, I, I do like all the murders are, like, very petty. Like, oh, like yeah. the, the the reasons why these guys get killed. They, yeah. Like, it's not... Be, like, <laughs> like, Romeo and Juliet getting murdered is, is, is because of the quality of acting, not, not because of anything else. The, these two people have done in the yeah. community, mm-hmm. which also was great, like way to plot and like figure out a storyline that would a hundred percent make so much more sense. Yeah. And like, I don't know. It's, it's a thing where again, with Edgar Wright's kind of thing, there's never like a thing where each moment has like a meaning. It's usually the overall thing of like, again, the person needs to grow up or learn some type of lesson, but it did feel like there was an interesting thought there where it's like, Sometimes things are not super complicated. Sometimes you, people will kill just because they're petty. Mm-hmm. And in, you know, in a bigger way, sometimes people are, you know, hardcore cops just because that's who they are. Sometimes a guy is a lazy cop just because he likes movies. Like, yep. Yep. Sometimes the simple answer just is what it is. Yeah. That's and not, also like this power structure getting to the point that it's petty because they probably did start a little, mm-hmm. I, I don't know, nicer. But it, it is it's it's great seeing um, like in the final sequence when uh, it, Nicholas Angel falls basically like through a floor and and is in this like basement with all the skeletons and dead bodies of like oh, yeah. anyone who you saw causing trouble through the movie because mm-hmm. they were like there's hoodlum kids dead like a, any Loiterer, shoplifter every person that that Nicholas Angel arrests ends up dead. 
in the end, which is crazy. Like everyone in the first night, um, that the, the kids that are on the street, like the, the piss takers, uh, like, like everything. Well, that makes sense. Cause like he, that was even easy access for them. They didn't have to worry about like right. the murders being caught by them because yeah. he put them in jail at the NWA exactly. works at the police station. So then oh. they just took the people that he had already arrested and, out of there. and took it off the record. Right. And, uh, there's no record of, of these people even coming in and then nope. yeah, just yeah. A, a clean, clean kill. Yeah. It's like this movie is the perfect encapsulation of the like classist system of white hegemony yeah. <laughs> or hegemony, whatever the fuck, however the fuck you pronounce it. Oh, you're absolutely right. <laughs> I mean, just the thing of too many white people trying to be all the same. Exactly. Yeah, and also just, well, like, the white people trying to preserve uh, their idyllic little, like, uh, countryside village where uh, there's no industrialization, there's no fancy shops, and uh, no people of color. (laughs) And uh, none of those icky pores that, you know... Ha- perform on the street to get money. Yeah, it's it's all in the name of the greater good too, the right? Like good. that's greater the greater good. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, which is funny that I think that is a correct uh, interpretation. I am like ninety nine percent certain Edgar Wright was not thinking about race. Of like, course, at he all wasn't. while making this, I think. I think. I think it, yeah, I think he just thought it was funny that a bunch of like you know uh-huh. old people in the countryside would act this way, on not realizing. Oh, this speaks to a larger extent of what white people will go through to keep to preserve their way of life Definitely. well yeah. he's just criticizing british culture in general true, too. which yeah. is and, very and he's white. painting it in a very uh factual way essentially where he's just like yeah th- this is how these people really act and so he's portraying all of their their stigmas you know uh, like everything is just going to be included in that same way that like he knows this is like all cop films are copaganda right mm-hmm. um and he's not necessarily pro authoritarianism or, or anything like that. He just knows it's fun. And that mm-hmm. and that's why Nicholas Angel gets taken down so much in this. It's true. But also by the end does become that that fascist super cop again. Like he do, it does seem like he's, you know, risen to that level. And that's not necessarily a good thing. But no. he, you know, he's not gonna comment on it because it's it's just the movie. I yeah. mean it does hold true to the to the classic adage that there is no such thing as an off duty cop. Which is true. Like I yeah. think they do. They do wind up like doing their job like half the time when they're not supposed to be like on duty in general. Yeah. Anyways, oh, yeah. with, like throughout the movie. I mean, yeah. Oh, the first night, you know, he he hasn't even moved in, and he arrests half the town. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, and well, also, uh, the way that they make fun of uh, the police force. Sorry, the the police service. <laughs> uh, in the uh in the the london cops you know with how they are like you're making us look bad and now oh we want you back because you were making our numbers look really good exactly and we don't want to do our jobs (laughs) you made us look bad but you made the whole service look terrible when you're gone it's great there's two times where like uh, Nicholas Angel gets the, the, the you know, the, the tap on the shoulder that London is calling for you, and, yeah. he, and he brushes it off both uh-huh. times. Um, Character growth. Character growth. Yeah. Shows he cares about his new little town. Yeah. yeah. It's, a, it's a tight little film. And, like, the, the, the shootout in the, the supermarket um, is, like, pretty pretty funny, too. Like, uh, 
they, they like splatter bolognese and it like goes over oh, one, yeah. of the, one of the guy's faces. One of the Andes. Yeah, one of the Andes. The Andes are so funny in this. Yeah. Oh, I mean, love the Andes. Also, again, for more like British people that are bigger, one of them is like Patty Cosadine, who was like the lead of House of the Dragon, where he's just like this aging, decrepit guy over like a series of decades. It's like that's this man's range is he can that's be insane. splattered Damn. with tomato sauce and uh, all the skin can peel off his face and he can still <laughs> do a great job. That's beautiful. Oh man, that's a that they should teach that in acting school how uh-huh. to get your face peeled off. I mean, listen, we have. I haven't been to the. Uh, uh, I don't know. I was gonna try to do a bit with the Royal Conservatory. School, but I forgot yeah, like, yeah. all the acting schools right in that moment. Juilliard. Juilliard. That's the Juilliard face melting class. Are you uh-huh. Are you familiar? That's a minor, actually. Or uh, to, or you know, the be- the best acting school, the Royal Tampa, t- fuck, uh, the Royal Tampa Academy of Dramatic Tricks. What is that? Is from, that a- it's from Thirty Rock. That's where Jenna Maroney went. That's so good. The Royal Tampa Academy. That's uh, the Royal turf. Tampa. <laughs> oh, I thought you were gonna say Royal Tabernacle or something oh. like like along that line. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, my my only other note is like how cool the Model City like fight is at the end. I I just great. you gotta love a fight a fight for the city in a Model City happening at the city. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, mo- most of this was shot in Edgar Wright's actual hometown, too, which is, like, pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, there wasn't a model city there. They, they found another one. Um, but, like, it, it is cool that most of this film was, like, done in England proper because, li- like they said, they, they felt like there hadn't been a proper English cop movie. Um, especially, like, it, most English action films, like James Bond, are more, like, world globetrotting events. They're not always focused. Mm-hmm. In, in uh in London, it's true. Well, also speaking of the model village, uh, it it leads me to believe specifically sh- seeing the the sign model village leads me to have the hypothesis that the uh, punk band idols uh, might be referencing that or ref or if you just listen to the idol song model village, it's definitely fits in with the themes of Hot Fuzz. Yeah, that feels mm. about right. Because yeah, it's because they're are they are they a British band? Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Especially if they had seen yeah. this, because I, I, mean, I haven't listened to Model Village in a while, but it's a great song. Great song, but also and calling it Model Village, oh. and it's a Model Village. Model, vi- model Village. Perfect circle. Take flight, take flight. Yeah, and 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 yeah. One one other thing I, I forgot to mention is that the the whole shootout happens um, during the adjudication for for best town. Oh you know? yeah, yeah. Which is just such a great um, yeah. Like 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 it, it's it's just such a great third act height yeah. stakener. That's actually a good one where they don't pay that one off because we never hear like that. You know, they never do a joke where it's like you didn't win Model Village or no. hey that this was such a great way a unique way of showing us your town. You've won Model Village. They just like. Drop it because it doesn't matter to the town anymore if they're model village, exactly, like, or if they're village of the year or not. Yeah, yeah, and and yeah, you get the one shot of the adjudicators with with the sign kind of welcoming them and falling, and that that's literally all you need. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Economical storytelling. Edgar, you done Edgar. it again. Edgar, you done it again. Just do it fifteen minutes shorter. <laughs> Eddie, my guy. <laughs> and it would be perfect. It's pretty damn perfect, though. I, I yeah. would say. I mean, for a guy like I think he's not made a bad movie so far. Like, even if some things could be, like, shorter or done, like, better in certain stuff, I think he's got a perfect record. 
But I I assume with the uh, straight face, you might feel differently about last night and stuff. It's, it's just so like that's the thing. I I would agree. There's enough visual flair there, and um, like honestly, even if I don't love what the story is saying, it's competently made and told, and probably better than. Most of the things I've seen, like yeah. it, I, mean, it, I could guess the plot twist coming like eight miles away, but yeah. like uh-huh. it did it in a much better way than so many other like horror or thriller type of movies. I was like, I, I accept this for I, what it is. I think true. it's tough. I like I grade so many things on scales. Like I went in with so with, with such high expectations and such a love for Edgar Wright that I bummed myself out when I saw it. I feel that. So like it got a lower rating out of me because of that. Um, because it became more subjective because of just my actual experience around it. Uh-huh. But I would love to revisit it. Now, I've seen it twice, you know, uh-huh. but like a couple years later now. I certainly liked it more than I think other people did. But if memory serves me correctly, I think I give it four stars on on um, Letterboxd. Yeah, like like eight out of ten? Or, or do you mean like four out of ten? Four out of five. Four out of five, yeah. Uh-huh. Because I I work in the the my brain works in the in the five star yeah. uh, system and not the IMDb uh, for sure out of ten, um, but yeah, it was like because like of by all accounts it was like it was beautiful it was like visually striking you did see the uh, the twist coming from like far away, uh, but there was just like there was just like some kind of like ineffable quality that was missing from it you know and and i still did really like the movie not uh not only because i want anya taylor joy to punch me in the face uh, uh i'm i'm here as a thomas and mckenzie stan i feel like not enough people she, she's a great actress thomas. i think she's like great I, really she's, great and old gr- uh, great and old oh yeah she, she does that the mousy Jojo fear Rabbit. like really well oh that's yeah. true it's it's one of those like there's some actors who like portray characters that are not exactly likable, but like feel well-rounded as people. And like, it's almost like if you act too well, sometimes people will just shrug you off as being annoying when mm-hmm. it's just like, mm-hmm. Oh, you just played annoying. Well, yeah. Yeah. Um, which is yeah, it, insane, but I, I get it. It's, it's hard to, to separate that sometimes. Mm-hmm. I think she, she just needs the, the right kind of like firecracker role probably to, to really get people going for her. Yeah. She had some Sundance movie this past year that I heard people thought was interesting for her, but I'm I'm oh, holding nice. out. Thomason, if you're hearing me, I'll I'll get a script for you, I promise. I'll get something something on the books. She was in uh, Power of the Dog too, right? Yeah, she had like oh, a it was right. a weird like brief role, but I think that might have just been like she was in she's Australian, so she probably was just in Australia. Yeah, they the have time. a they have a thing over there um where it's like I, I, they're just pretty strict about local hires. So, I think it was one of those one of the few local hires they could get yeah, um, to, to kind of tip it. Yeah. Well, cool. Uh, you guys have any last thoughts on uh, Hot Fuzz before we move on? Um, I think I feel like we all said a good wrap-up. I mean, yeah. yeah. Just a, a clear, yeah, man, it's yeah, great. Man. Like, Fuck. it's straight up. It's just too good. Oh, yeah. I, I agree. I agree. <laughs> um, yeah. Judge, jury, and ed- executioner. And adjudicator. An adjudicator. <laughs> uh, all right, cool. Uh, we'll take a quick break. Um, be right back. I don't know. Like, I, do you do you listen to many podcasts? Is uh, that like in your repertoire? Not like I mean, not like the, the kind of like traditional, like regular people kind of ones. It's usually just mm-hmm. the 
if some if there's a celebrity interview where I care about like whoever it is, like that's usually what I listen to. Yeah, right. I feel it. I'm like I've just I've I've done a couple movie podcasts and like had a favorite one or whatever and like had a point where I'm like expecting something out of the discussion and then they don't hit it and I'm like, am I bummed out here? Because like they just talked like they it was a good episode on its own terms. Like yeah. I don't know it it not one thing doesn't have to be a end all be all. Right. on it and this this is not serious criticism <laughs> so so like no, you know, I'm, I'm, think I'm not getting my phd after this yeah right uh this is very serious oh yeah and very intense film criticism 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 <laughs> roger ebert eat your heart iowa oh yeah ebert, heart iowa. ebert would love this show oh my god i'm i'm can okay i constantly mix up Robert Eggers and Ebert. And you I said can't, the right one. Yeah, Robert I, Eggers good. and Roger Ebert. Yeah. Robert Eggers and Roger Ebert. Yeah, I knew that the whole time, and I was just testing you guys. I, it, it's it's funny because like I have those hangups with other names, but then like every time you hear one, you're like, how do you mix those two people up? Like, right. <laughs> like they're completely different. Right. But yeah. If Roger Ebert lived long enough to see Robert Eggers, he would have loved him. I think he would have. <laughs> he would have. You like you said, uh, Stephen Merchant earlier. Yeah. And uh, I get him mixed up with Stephen Root. All the time. Oh, that's See, funny. I was gonna say I mix them up with Stephen Fry, which all that three may, of them that look may, different, yeah. but they're all named Stevens. So if you learn it at the same time, that's a exactly. yeah, you're screwed. Yeah. yeah. See, for a long time, I would confuse Pierce, Pierce Morgan and Pierce Brosnan, <laughs> and so for a long time, I was like, I was like, Pierce Brosnan's a fucking racist. Oh my god. Wow, I can't believe. It. James Bond won The Apprentice and has like a talk show. Yeah. It's a weird thing. Or like a feels a like he went backwards. Yeah. Oh my god! In his career. Yeah, Pierce, don't be a turf. <laughs> that should be on a shirt. <laughs> and it's just Pierce Brosnan just going like, Wah. Pierce, don't be a turf. Don't be a turf. <laughs> Does James Bond say trans lives matter? He should. He should. He should, and then he should get down. On 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 a trans person. Well, yeah. Well, if look, the if there was movie. any, if there was ever a more pansexual fictional character, it is James Bond. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, pansexual alcoholic, definitely a rapist. Yes, he he, he has layers. He has multitudes. He's hey, layers. Queer people could be rapists too. That's you know what. <laughs> This is equality, you know? <laughs> wow, true equality. Yeah. Everyone can be terrible. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. Oh, uh, beautiful. Uh, yeah, all right, cool. You guys ready? All right. I'm fucking... Let's keep that, I, one. I was like, Let's keep that one in well, there. Well, I was like, there's no segue here. Oh, <laughs> you... Look, you set up... You, you set up the perfect segue just, like, halfway. Like oh, during. I know, yeah. We'll, well just cut everything well, you, else. Great. You might yeah. say that uh, this discussion has been... Uh, a death-defying act, much like a stuntman might do. Thus, what if we talked about another great stuntman movie? I was gonna say, just True. like just like this stuntman movie, we're not landing any of this. <laughs> uh, incredible. Well, you know, I'm feeling pretty hot. <laughs> Woo! Uh, and my name is Rod, and I like to party. <laughs> Uh, my uh, name, my name is, is Robin, and I also like to party. No, you can't like to party. I, well, I like to party. party. I also party. Okay, uh, uh, sorry. Anyway, you don't so party. I'm Rod, and I like to party. Uh, welcome back, everybody. We are talking about Hot Rod, if you couldn't tell. Directed Hot. by Akiva Schaefer. 
of the Lonely Island fame. Um, also ran, ran out the Lonely Island, obviously, you know, it's star Andy Samberg. Uh, then we also have Jor- Jordan DeCone. Uh, Yorma. Yorma. Thank you. Yorma, Yorma DeCone. Um, Bill Hader. Bill, well, Bill, yeah, Bill Hader's in the cast. Same with Danny McBride. Uh, Isla Fisher. Isla. 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 Fuck yeah. me, dude. That's all right. I got you. This is all, yeah, this is rough. <laughs> That's all right. And, I don't, I don't uh, host this. Will Ernit? Oh, yeah, yeah. Er- Will Ernitter. Ernit. 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 Will Ernitter. Yeah. Ernitter. Uh, yeah. Uh, what, what else? We got, uh, oh, we got Space Sissy Spacek. Sissy, Sissy Spacek. Spacek and Ian McShane. Ian McShane. That's oh, fucking insane. Oh, my God. Ian McShane's insane. so good in this. Uh, and uh, Chris Parnell. Chris Parnell. That's what oh, I was looking Doctor Dr. Spaceman. Yeah. Dr. Spaceman. Dr. Spacemen. Dr. Spacek. <laughs> Dr. Sissy Spacek. Spaceman. Oh man, what a great cast! Um, it it truly seriously. is like I I I don't know what what do you guys have like a history with this movie like at all? I literally yeah. saw this movie for the first time yesterday. Wow, it's so it I I was a big SNL in like two thousand five six kind of guy, so uh-huh. this yep. movie was like made for me. So I've got like a a long rich history of being like on the train of it's an unsung like not you know. Masterpiece is a strong word, but uh, I might put right. it in that category. I, I definitely, I think because of the age I saw it and the amount of times I saw it, 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 it it's going to always get extra points from me. Mm-hmm. But it's a 90-minute flick, and again, nothing, none of it like, like, like doesn't land. You know, it's, it's, it, true. it's all incredible. No, well, sorry, Andy Samberg doesn't land in no, this In fact, Andy Samberg nor his stuntmen. If you, if you actually check out all the stunts, he never succeeds at a single stunt no. in the entire movie. It's, it's beautiful. The most you could say is that he falls off of his bike and then he ragdolls at the end, like, you know, uh, when he jumps the buses. Uh-huh. And that's the closest he gets to landing. Yeah, the stunt he's performing is not dying. Yes. <laughs> I mean, again, that's... The that's true like, skill. That's kind of yeah. like the message of the movie is you keep, you fail, but you keep bringing yourself back up and sometimes those failures can bring you the success that you were looking for. But it's also true. most most stuntmen, you know, like will tell you that, you know, there's no way to take a fall and not get hurt. You just take the fall and get hurt less than, than other people. Yes. But it's still wear and tear on your body. And it's like a lot of stuntmen have like short career spans no, or, or have to transition into coordinating stunts because of that. Yeah. No, that's uh, I mean, because I'm sure this is like the, you know, the most famous uh, fact about the movies. But, you know, the in the very first scene, the first stunt that happens, the stuntman fully broke his leg <gasps> and they used the take oh of God. him breaking his leg. Wow. Yeah. In, in the thing. And you can kind of, when you see it, like the last like six to 12 frames of that, you can oh, see geez. how limp his leg is. Oh, no. <laughs> and, oh God. And, and again, that's the first thing that happens in the movie. Then hard cut to Andy Sabre, just like riding his motorcycle, the credits roll. And like, I think they even said that, uh, uh, while they, while when the guy was getting taken to the hospital, he like looked at like, uh, Andy and Akiva. and was like, Hey, do you think we could use the shot? Because that's like how dedicated stuntmen are. Yep. That's a that's and, a stuntman. And they used it. That's awesome. That's uh, also, if you broke your leg for it, you want to make sure they got it. Because otherwise, they're going to replace you. Yes. And you just broke your leg for nothing. Yeah, I fuck. Mean, God, it, this had to be so expensive to make just because of how many stunts there Dude. were. It looks so... I don't want to say it looks cheap because it actually is a really well-made movie. Uh-huh. But Jesus, it, I would expect like a, a movie of this caliber to be like... Five to ten million dollars, yeah. but like it has to be like upwards of like twenty five to thirty. Oh, Absolutely, I, and like I think the box office was like fifteen million. Yeah. Like th- this was not a hit when it came out, um, which 
honestly, none of the Saturday Night Live movies ever were like box office hits. Like yeah. even Wayne's World was like I mean, a you yeah, know a more true. of a cable and DVD. Like yeah, I think grower. it did well like box office wise. Like that one and Blues Brothers were like the two like okay ones hits. And then Wayne's yeah. World too, I think was like fine. Yeah, but like everything that budget else, blew up though. I mean, yeah, they're kind of like they're known. F- the SNL movies are known for being cult classics. Yeah. Yeah, that, like especially because even you know with a newer one like MacGruber, MacGruber also even took over a decade for people to be like, oh, this is good enough for like a TV show. <laughs> Which also, again, in that and same so, and then the streaming series comes out and people are like, this sucks, and, and like yeah, no another, it's gonna it. take another ten years. Like, yeah. see the fu- the fact about MacGruber because that's still my SNL era yep. is that that movie was in theaters for only three weeks. It ca- it came and left wow. because so few people saw it. That's yeah, insane. I for that era, that's insane. That's like that's like what you get today and you know, yeah. they, they play it for three weeks and then they put it on streaming. Uh-huh. But you I know? saw it twice in theaters because that's of how beautiful. good it was for me because the and the what only person who did it. Way to go, man. Yeah, I right, I'm I'm glad you held up the, the <laughs> front lines. I've, I've for us. Will Forte gets to have a house. <laughs> <laughs> Will Forte is the best. Oh, I, it, it's such a good generation of Saturday Night Live around here. It's and, true. and like we, we mentioned earlier, this started as a, a, a vehicle for um, uh, for Will Ferrell. Yeah. And, and it's funny because like I just never really thought about the kind of connection between Ferrell and Sandberg. But I do think they kind of both play that village idiot pretty well, Certainly. which is like, you know, it, it's a tradition. There's plenty of people on SNL history have done that. Like. Chris Farley was 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 a great fool. Yeah, um, I think they like they have like two different sides because I think Will Ferrell like almost in like an acting way like fully commits like he's like yes I think like friends of his have said like you can see like brain cells turning off in his head <laughs> to like become dumber. But I think, but I think yeah. Andy Samberg does it more. There's a little bit heightened where he's like, he knows that he's playing dumb. Yeah, he, like you're, he's he's you're putting watching, energy into the dumbness, and you're yeah. watching like someone pretend to be dumb, and that's part of the fun. It's like two again. Much like these two movies, two separate sides of the dumb coin is like someone who's just being dumb and someone who's like, I'm going to show you what dumb is. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, so Will Ferrell is the, is, uses the method uh, for, uh, for acting dumb? I think, I think he doesn't even realize he's using the method. I think that's just like a thing where he's like, oh, I can do this. And Beautiful. he just like, just the light goes out from behind his eyes. He's like, I'm less smart now. He, he does commit better than anyone else. And, it's true. you know, we, we covered Blades of Glory this year. <laughs> uh, um, but... It's it's something I said there too, where it's like he would always commit harder than any anyone else on SNL. Like even if it, the sketch was bombing, mm-hmm. um, he would double or triple down on it, almost like a, as a punishment or a fuck you to the audience. Yeah. <laughs> like which is kind of like how dare you not think we're funny? Yeah, um, yeah, which probably explains why his movies are not really hitting now because like he he fell off you know the mainstream level, but he kind of just just is still sticking to his guns. Yes. Yeah. Um, but well, they'll probably bring something good one, one day from him. You know? Yeah. Because uh, he kind of taps into that visceral relationship between a comedian and its audience where there is almost a an almost antagonistic uh, hostage vibe yeah. to, uh, oh, you're like... Like, I'm going to make really fucking stupid jokes, and I'm going to stare at you until you laugh at them, which is, you know, how I get most of my laughs. I mean, yeah, it's clowning, right? Like, it's clowning. Because, like, that the clown actually has to engage the audience, mm-hmm. whereas, like, every other piece of comedy, if it's if it's written at least, is, is about, you know, distancing yourself from that wall. But yeah. 
Yeah, it's it's why people love Deadpool. It's unfortunate, but he's he's the only one who's like toeing that line. Uh-huh. No one else in society but Deadpool people, am I right? Who else but Deadpool? <laughs> Classic. Well, you know, who else but Deadpool is Rod? <laughs> Tracy Morgan kind of encaps like encapsulates a, a similar kind of humor where he's just going to he's going to hit the beat, and the first time you, you hear it, you're like. Oh yeah, that's okay. And then by the f- by the 20th time, comedic genius, this is fucking hilarious. Yeah. His beauty I think comes in the dumb logic, right? Yeah. Like he's like I'm accepting the pretense that I'm a dumb guy and this is how dumb guys think. And like that like yeah, that almost like early Homer Simpson stuff before oh, it becomes yeah. like a bit too, yeah. Uh-huh. Um well, it's in that same like yeah, if you guys have seen I think you should leave. It's very much like a Yeah. yeah. It, even if this doesn't make sense to you because of how much it makes sense to the person like that is in the middle of like the person in the wrong, how much it makes sense to them. It's like, you know what? It makes sense to me, even if no logic is put behind it. Like uh-huh. this is exactly. so such a commitment from it that if, if it doesn't happen the first time you will laugh by the fourth or fifth time. You're damn right. And that speaks to the fact that uh, I think you should leave sketches just grow on you. Like yes. in such a such a specific way, where like the first time you watch f- through the new uh, any new season of of I think you should leave the first the first watch through isn't even really you absorbing anything. It's just it's just you have to watch it again. It feels like a lot of yelling. Like the first one is just it's just yeah. kind of a cursory. Uh, scan over, and then you got you got to dive back in and get like really deep and like experience, like really experience yeah. the sketches. I, again. I always find I think you should leave is way funnier when I talk about it with someone. Yeah, yeah. And, and like just hear what what like because you'll someone will just like bend over howling at something, and you're like, wow, like it didn't hit me like that, but like now that I'm seeing it hit you, like it's actually kind of getting me. Like, yeah. oh yeah, yeah. When you like explain it, it's almost like yeah. When you explain the joke, it's almost never funny. But when you explain the joke for, I think you should leave. It works because like I think that's part of like why it's great that they're 15 minutes because you can watch them once, not laugh a whole time, mm-hmm. but watching the sketch is the pretext for watching the sketch. Then you go back and it's like I am 100 percent on board now because yes. I needed to just let it wash over me first. Yeah. Uh-huh. That's like, I mean, first time I watched Comedy Bang Bang, like the TV series, mm-hmm. I was not really engaging with it. I think I, I was thinking it was just a bad interview to like couch <laughs> show for a second. Yeah. And then I was like, oh, okay, wait, this is what's going on here. Um, but that, that's like a lot of new things. Like they, yeah. they're going to rub you wrong. Uh, and it's it's interesting. I think I, I when I was reading through, just kind of Andy Samberg and, and everyone's... Um, you know, the, their reception to kind of the critical response on mm-hmm. this. Um, they seem to understand that critics always undervalue comedies when they That's first true. come onto the scene. And and he said, Sandberg said, like, if this becomes a classic the way that, like, Happy Madison is a, is a classic for me, you know, uh, then he would be happy, um, which, which is great. I mean, it's, mm-hmm. it's just, it feels today especially so hard to get a comedy movie made at all. Oh, it's um, so true. That you're just like, any scenario you can, you can get this going. Like, you, you got to accept the victory. Uh-huh. Like, can, Confess Fletch last year, an incredible <laughs> comedy starring John Hamm. Everyone's got to go see. Oh, I, I'll, I'll came, push it up the hill. Went, and then then went. no one knew because it just went almost straight to VOD. Straight to VOD, exactly. Oh, man. I'm getting a call. Oh, that was... Uh, 
That was Chris Angel coming to 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 <laughs> be like. How he heard the what we said. Dare you? I heard. It took me ten minutes to get your phone number. I'm ta- I'm taking your Vegas card away. Yeah. <laughs> You're not from Vegas anymore. You're, no You're on the no fly list at McCarran Airport. <laughs> the entire state of Nevada is lost to you. Just, the just like a giant mirage out in the desert that I'm like walking. Yeah, towards. you just pass through it. <laughs> what, what? I used to <clears throat> live here. This is my house. <laughs> Chris Angel lives in your house now. It's mine. <laughs> that would be a true. I'm taking. Freak, I'm man. taking your spot at at Thanksgiving dinner now. Yeah, you actually have to fist fight Chris Angel in order to uh, to become yourself again. I would gladly fist fight Chris Angel. I feel like every person needs to go through that trial. Everybody, uh-huh. so eight billion people have to fist yeah. fight Chris Angel. That should you be know. his new job: is going door to door to fist fight people. Because, like, okay, that's the plot of, of Hot Rod. Well, you right? have to it's like all Rod needed yeah. was one antagonist to get him going, and it's like everyone hates Chris Angel. Everybody hates and Chris wants Angel. to get in the fight, <laughs> but he can use magic tricks on your ass. You know, like everything's fair game for him. He's not mm. doing magic tricks. Dude, come on, he's just wearing yeah. he's just wearing capes and just pretending it's magic. Uh, however, that was actually a great segue to something I wanted to go over with Hot Rod. Is similar to how Hot Fuzz like gets you into the uh, the Simon Pegg character really quickly. I genuinely love the relationship between Rod and like everybody in his life, but especially his stepdad uh, oh, played yeah. by Ian McShane. Cause so like good. it, it's a thing where like when you first watch it, it's like, Oh, it's dumb. He wants to fight him. But like they have such an interesting understanding. Like they yeah. don't have any animosity. It, it's truly like these guys do love each other. And it hit me in a weird emotional place this time. Where I was it like, did. Yeah. it's they, cause it's not a thing where he's like saying, you know, you're dumb or you're stupid. He's like, you've got to prove yourself. You're, you know, whatever, 30 years old and you're living at home and like a very antiquated way of proving you're a man. But uh-huh. like in that same way. And I, I, th- I thought it was a very weirdly deep relationship. It was, especially that, that like moment where they do have sort of a heart to heart and, you know, he's, he's dying and he, he asks his stepdad, if I, if I land this, will you respect me? And he's like, the only way I'll respect you is if you beat me in a fight. Right. He still has to yes. beat him at the end. You still have to beat yeah. me. It's so good. I, yeah, <laughs> it, that's the thing. They do sell the emotionality of it. Like, at, at, the, at the few points where, like, they, they, they really need to. Uh-huh. You know, when the, da- when the stepdad's sick and he comes home. Um, but then also, like, at the end when he's, like, going off to do this big jump, like... They have that look at each other where it's like they're they're locked in. They get it. They're like, uh-huh. I'm gonna win your respect right now. And it's yeah. like it's just such a funny thing to be on the same terms about, which is like why it stays funny. But uh-huh. you you do buy into it too. Yeah, it was like again, it's, it's a weird thing to because now we're comparing Hot Rod and Hot Fuzz. But like the thing that I actually liked better about Hot Rod is that a lot of times in Hot Fuzz they would like do something serious and then have like a joke kind of undercut like right. the moment, uh-huh. which was to be fair, those were funnier jokes, but none of the jokes in hot rod, at least that I could tell like undercut, except for the one where it's like, you look shitty Denise, but like, that's just a very silly yeah. thing. Yeah. Like all the jokes were just their own things and the emotional things were their own things. Exactly. It felt like they uh-huh. were like a weird, like marriage between the two where they were never sacrificing one thing. I, for think, the other. I think that's the thing though is like, the, it's the form these movies take, right? Yeah. Like Edgar Wright puts everything through the action movie, like like you know, lens, um, and so because of that, he has to take things seriously. Uh-huh. Whereas like here, they're really trying to break form everywhere they can. Yeah, and because they're constantly breaking form, when they undercut a joke, it doesn't feel like it's breaking 
the, the general reality because the reality that they set up is already broken. Mm-hmm. There, there is one of those moments where like he uh, walks away from Denise. I forget. It's, 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 I forget what the moment is, but he walks away from Denise and then he gets hit by a car Yeah. at the end. It's when he quits being like the stunt man. And it's uh-huh. like, that's a, that's a joke that like I, I laughed at, but like could have undercut the moment pretty badly. Yeah. But but Rod quitting his his, his whole stuntman routine is, is such a farce anyways yeah. that you're like, I, I don't care if this moment gets undercut. Yeah, it sort of has room to let the stupidity breathe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Especially for a movie less than 90 minutes to like have that space is like... True. Again, similar similar to Hot Fuzz, economic storytelling. Like very yeah. well like Absolutely. paced out. Yeah, yeah like, and like four stunts probably, right? Like, But they just know how to like pad it with like... All right, just show the guys dicking around in the parking lot. Yeah. Like that's that's uh-huh. really all you need. And it's a lot of small stunts too that happen like in between to be like, no, see, they're stuntmen. They do all these other things, but you know, it's a thing where you just don't see Andy Samberg's face, but he's standing on the motorcycle. Yeah. Like you get a few yeah. of those like smaller things, uh-huh. but like it's all all the other jokes come from like again them being pals and doing 2006 dances to like silly music uh, in wide shots. <laughs> it's beautiful. The punch dancing sequence. Oh, I I love. I don't love Footloose, but I love the punch dancing it's, like sequence yeah. in Footloose. So that again, that hit a specific core element of me. I think that's why, like, because we all know, like, it, you see it in Hot Rod, and you're like, of course they're doing it in, in this movie. Like, it, it fits in with the tone perfectly. <laughs> yeah, but you see it, in, <laughs> you see it in Footloose. Yeah, like it, it also works, like because of that height and reality. Yes, um, it's the kind of homage that like doesn't ruin the original. Like somehow, yeah. exactly, because it's it's playing to it and it's telling you like I like this thing too, but we all know that it's silly. Yeah, because yeah. again, that's a similar thing where they get stuntmen to do the Andy Samberg stuff, where he just keeps jumping and flipping and the flips are so because well, oh they, they set you up with like five flips in a row, so that when he falls down the hill for like an even longer extended amount of time, like you're you're used to laughing at the repetition. I feel like they're yeah. they're they're warming you up, uh-huh. and that fall is so good because because oh, yeah. like. A full forty-seven second long fall. <laughs> yeah, and oh you track God. you track the energy of him falling, but then they purposely like disrupt it, and then you know so that it feels unrealistic. It's it's so good. Yeah, it's like this movie has just like so many jokes where like I don't even like laugh at it. I'm just like struck and just kind of have to clap, and I'm just like, "Fuck, I respect the shit <laughs> out of exactly. out of how fucking stupid." That was. Yep. Like you, you, you committed to that. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Fully. I mean, have you? Did you guys see John Wick four at all? No, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. That uh, stair fall that John Wick does absolutely is, ex- is the exact <laughs> same joke. Yeah. Because because oh. for anyone who hasn't seen it, there's a point in John Wick four. It's like the climax of the movie where he's like oh. climbing these like stairs. And to time get is to, running out. Like like, like it, it's not. It's like there's one minute left type deal. Yeah. Like, like he yeah. has to get up these stairs in order to like accomplish like his challenge because uh-huh. that they're waiting for him. But there's a bunch of guys like stopping him from getting up there, and he finally makes it to the top of the stairs, and one guy knocks him all the way down, and he falls for an similar amount of time. <laughs> it's great as Hot Rod, and it's and it's great. It's supposed to be funny. Yeah. And I I kind of think they they had to have taken. From Hot Rod to do that that bit somewhat. I mean, I feel like that's so uh, Sisyphus rolling the boulder up the oh, hill yeah. too, yeah. right? Like, just like it doesn't matter, especially for John Wick. Just like we're gonna knock you down to nothing, yeah. over and over again. Uh-huh. And, and yeah, even in that fall, it lasts like it, in in John Wick, it lasts like a, again like a solid thirty to sixty seconds yeah. uh-huh. that fall. Well, and it's and it's a real staircase in France, and they like 
they double up on it, uh, you know, because they had to actually extend it uh-huh. so the fall makes sense. Uh, and then he he falls and it's like a midpoint, and then he falls again. Oh <laughs> like they like they're fully yep. like yeah, it's it's so good. God, you know, because g- genuinely like Sisyphean characters are just so compelling, and Rod Kimball is truly a Sisyphean <laughs> character. He really is, I, because it is just pushing the boulder. It's always gonna fall down. It's always gonna fall down, and it's gonna crush you on the way down yes yeah it's gonna hurt <laughs> it's gonna <laughs> like a it's lot. gonna fucking hurt but you believe you could get it to the top still uh-huh. i mean it's almost it, it's almost a little sad because that his family kind of gaslights him a little bit his mom's like even though your dad you know wasn't a stunt man you've got to you've got to try it his brother's like hey i know i made this video that like embarrassed you to your core <laughs> but you've got to keep doing it you gotta like, do it it's it, it's a thing where oh. it's in reality it's such a terrible gaslighty thing to do to your family, right. but it works so well here. It is so funny. The whole movie is just constructed to humiliate Ron. Like oh, yeah. you're just going through the list, and I'm like, yeah, every set piece is just like, how bad can we get Rod to react here? Yeah. Like, like when they uh, when they screen his movie, um, yeah. that that's just a compilation of all his stunts. That would just be a fail video on the internet now. Yeah, um, which. They may have even been commenting on uh-huh. a little yeah. bit. Because I think they did do that a little bit. Because I think it was shortly after uh, Lazy Sunday came out. Yeah, Lazy that, Sunday was 06. So then they went, I think they did that where it was like, yeah, this got downloaded like 100,000 times. And for, again, for 2007 numbers, that's like very solid oh, for, yeah. for Those the are numbers. <laughs> those are AM radio numbers. Huh. Yeah, they were some of the most viral videos, like period. And, yeah. and it, it actually like change the way they they make stuff at Saturday Night Live. Mm-hmm. Oh, know? true. Because they, they, they had, didn't have digital shorts before that. Yeah, I think they had, like, a pre-tape, like, once a week, maybe once yeah. every couple weeks. They would do short films, like, uh, in the first season of Saturday Night Live, Albert Brooks mm-hmm. um, oh, actually directed yeah. a couple um, short films for them. And then there's the TV Funhouse stuff for a while. Oh, yeah, the animated ones. Yeah, I think even animated gay duo. Um, like the, the I think P.T. Anderson actually did do one. That was like when Ben Affleck hosted in like early 2000s. Really? Yeah, I think he did do one of them. That's awesome. Uh, I mean, because he's married to Maya Rudolph, so I think he, that was like a thing where yep. that was kind of like his introduction to the SNL mm-hmm. realm. That's that's the thing though is like they do let um, people come and direct an episode every once in a while. Mm-hmm. They've they've had a couple famous directors, so he could have done the whole thing even. Yeah, he could have. I think I do think that is also with SNL. Like I think there's a lot more pre tapes now like there's a lot more like yeah. things in the vein of a digital short because of what these guys were doing absolutely now they just do like they're like music videos and like stuff it's they they pitch a bunch of stuff at the beginning of the season mm-hmm. yeah. and film it and then just kind of spread it out mm-hmm. which i feel like probably doesn't work as well i think some of the fun of the lonely island was that they were still at a level where everything on youtube was really just thrown together ragtag um stuff and 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 that was the energy of saturday night live too where Mm -hmm. you know they start writing it that week and you know that trying to you know from paper to final product get get there by saturday and that that's that's the energy of the internet right yeah it's true it was like yeah diy and i think that the new stuff's just a little polished is is all it it just kind of lacks that same charm yeah yeah the moment that uh like you start trying to recreate the sort of like slapdash frenzied quality of of a bunch of people just working together to make something that they think is funny. Yeah. 
Uh, and the moment you try to recreate and like standardize the pro- that process, you li- you lose that spark. Right. Um, because yeah, because it's inherently like a commercial yeah, ambition, right? Exactly. Like, yeah. Because you're not doing it because it's just a bunch of people who think this thing is fucking fu- funny and fun to do. You're trying to you're trying to make money off of it. Yeah. They they did try. They had a, a. Do you guys know Good Neighbor? Yeah. Yeah. So that's the Kyle Mooney. Kyle uh, Mooney, Beck Bennett. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I forget the third guy's name. Um, he was the one that didn't come. With I know. Them to SNL. <laughs> he he actually ended up joining as a writer okay. um, a few years later, but I I don't know what happened after that point. Um, but yeah, they they were kind of the Lonely Island replacement. They were mm-hmm. like a YouTube sketch, um, you know, channel. That's the thing. I feel like their stuff kind of worked better as the DIY. Yeah, they, yeah. they still had some good segments on the early, um, like first two years. They were like on SNL though. They they kind of mm-hmm. let them do their thing. I just think it didn't take off. Yeah, and didn't it, become viral. So they kind of just said, okay, like just make something more commercial now. Yeah, I think you got to know like what things should be, uh, what things should be like high production value. Like when they did, you know, the Mario Kart on HBO. That's a thing that's like, yeah, definitely make that like an upgrade thing, but I think there's, yeah. like, been, there was some sketch where it was, uh, where it was, like, uh, these guys, like, trying to confront, like, his high school bullies, but it was shot, it was shot like it was, like, a, uh, not, like, an indie movie, you know, like a, like uh-huh. a mid-budget type of, like, movie, it looked super sleek, yeah. and then, like, you know, he, I think, punches, like, his bully, like, through, like, five walls of, like, brick, but that is almost less funny when you have such great, v- like, the VFX were too good, right? Yes. like, if it was a thing where you just see, like again, a bad stuntman like crashed through those walls. That's like way funnier. The joke doesn't have to be, oh, look at how poorly made this is. It's just, it's silly that a man is punching his bully through five walls of bricks. So let's just make it look terrible. <laughs> yeah. See, that's the that's the thing about like having larger budgets and better effects to a to a certain threshold. Make, will make your movie better. But after you pass that threshold, it will start to just kind of degrade the creativity because oh, yeah. because limitations in themselves are what breed creativity and breed, you know, like just better art. Or not better, but you know. Yeah. Which is, I mean, where I think Hot Rod actually does do like a really solid job because they spent, I'm sure, all their money just on the stunts Especially that final start where you had to get like a thousand extras. Yeah. Oh like, my god. Oh yeah. Like getting all putting all that together and then making the rest of it kind of look a little like a look cheaper because like seeing a man get hurt but knowing that it's like clearly somebody else or like something else is happening like that made it that much funnier. Yeah. Uh-huh. And, and and you're right. All this A plus you know quality talent that hadn't like fully broken through yet that had ambition. You know, like oh. every one of these guys had skin in the game. And, and, and they wanted to make this a really great film. I mean, that's why you get such a good Bill Hader performance out of oh, it. Yeah. You know, like, Hader could come into two films. Like, he does this and Superbad oh, in yeah, the same year. And then he also yeah. sneaks in to, like, a cameo and Knocked Up. And you're just like, that. what a great year for this guy. Yeah, that's um, him, like, you know, like, a year and a half into SNL. Right, but he could do that any time. 
he wants, you know, like he was just, uh, I don't want to spoil the, actually the, the movie. <laughs> if, you, if you don't know what movie he's, he, he's in a movie that came out this year and it can't oh, Yeah, I know. I know. Oh, I that know was incredible. And it's, uh, again, you almost can't even tell that it's him. Yeah. But once you know it's him, oh. it's actually a lot funnier. Okay. Yeah. Okay. If we, all, if we I all know, know I could just probably say it. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. You don't care that, that is it cool the audience finds out? Uh, if you skip ahead 15 seconds, you don't want to hear it. Uh, yeah. Bo's Afraid, great movie. Yeah, there we go. Great movie. But exactly, he's on the phone for most of it before they show his face. Performance. He could show up in any film like that and kill it, but his time is just much more valuable now. It's true. It's, same with Danny McBride. You know, mm-hmm. he's yeah. off making his own show too. Um, but they, they're so good in this as bit players. Yeah, uh-huh. and I mean, Bill Hader has like, not the emotional moment, but like it's the thing that like, starts to turn him around where he has this entire funny bit where he talks about being, you know, on, I think on acid, on and acid stabs, yeah. like stabs himself in the head, gets out of the van. He, then he turns back around. I like, Hey Rod, I know things are tough right now, but uh, we really need you to do this. Thing. Like he says it very genuinely. And it means so much that by the time he turns around and goes to the hospital and points at a trash can is like, is that the hospital? <laughs> he pulls off the, the emotional moment to make Rod like turn yeah. around. It feels earned. Uh-huh. And it's so funny that he just in the same shot just is like, I don't know what a hospital is. It's, it's so good too. Cause so good. he like, he keeps playing the scene too. Like you, you watch him go into the hospital <laughs> oh, yeah. and like someone, like a nurse comes up to him and he like takes his suitcase and tries to hit her with it. <laughs> and, then, and then he just lays down on the ground. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, again, not a moment is wasted in yeah. this movie it's for, so for something to be happening. Absolutely. Uh, what's what's also just, like, really interesting about this movie is you can really see the, like, absurdist humor roots uh, yes. that the lo- Lonely, Island, Lonely Island would continue to foster and grow in their later movies, like, like, Seven Days in Hell, or like Seven Days to- or Tour de Pharmacy, yeah, or even Popstar. Popstar, yeah. yeah. I mean, er- like, everything they've done, Bash Brothers, like they've they've carried this tone. I mean, yeah, McGruber is directed by Yorma Taconi, so like it is yeah. actually oh. it keeps in that same. It's it's you know through Will Forte's lens, but like uh-huh. it's with. I think they was all produced by the Lonely Island too, so like oh, it's nice. all in Definitely. that same family. Uh-huh. Yeah. What what else they've done? Um, Paul. What's the Palm Beach, not Palm Beach. Oh, uh, Palm, oh Springs. Palm Springs. Palm Springs, right? Yeah. I don't, did they, they produce that it? too? Yeah, yeah. I, think I that, really liked that. Palm movie. Springs was, was great. Yeah, and I think that was de- you know they they let the writer and director do their thing, but they were also like, hey, if you're gonna put Andy in this, here's just a little bit of like the kind of thing people expect and what you should do to like right. uh-huh. make it work. But Play it into his a- persona. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and then did you guys see Chip and Dale? Rescue Rangers. Uh, no, I, I didn't did finish. I did watch a good amount of it. I didn't, you didn't finish, finish. It. That should say all you need to say. Yeah. About I, I mean, I thought I, it was I, funny. I saw, I saw it. it. It was. It's decent. Uh-huh. Um, just like if you go in expecting Who Framed Roger Rabbit, that's that's not what you're gonna get. Yeah. Um, but but I mean, they also. I mean, they do a good amount of like producing others. Like, did you ever guys watch ever, uh, Pen Fifteen? Oh fuck no! no but but I, heard people yeah, love that. That was also a thing where I think they took that. Uh, because a lot of the things that happen are surreal or absurd, you know, whatever, mm-hmm. however you want to go with that one. But, like, it is the two creators and, like, their other friend who made it. But, like, through the lens of, like, hey, here's some weird shit that can happen, especially in this, like, early 2000s lens. Yeah. And I think they, like, know how to ha- to insert their voice without overpowering the overarching narrative of what something is. That's yeah. the hardest part about producing, oh, right? Yeah. It's, like, actually being able to identify other people's creative voices. Yes. But yeah, like to shape it and not to just uh-huh. overpower it yeah. or make it yours. Yeah. 
Uh, yeah, it, it's. Uh, I'm, I'm glad to see they're still making movies. You know, like it, these guys seem like positive influences in the comedy world. Like they're always showing up for for fun stuff. And I love that they also have their own stuff that they do, and like not they don't always produce each other's like things. Right. They go do yeah. their own stuff, and then they're like, all right. What is it? Three p.m. I guess it's time for a meeting with with uh, Jorman Akiva, and we'll and we'll meet up together, kind of thing. And I I appreciate that, especially as you know, people who try to make things in this current climate and be like, yeah, we're all friends, but we all have our own individual dreams. That like yeah. every uh-huh. th- those guys found a way to have it all. No, seriously, J- just like re intersect our, our careers where it makes sense, but grow apart too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Seth Meyers has a, a oh, brief yeah. cameo as Evil God. Knievel in the in the photograph of, of Rod's dad. I didn't even catch that. That's I, so I don't funny. think I've ever noticed it when I've seen this movie, but I I uh, I was dying when I noticed it because you're not actually paying attention. You just get like the outline of like, oh, that's what Evil Knievel's supposed to look like. And right. then the yeah. Well, in the in the circle point dad. So Which, you're supposed to look at dad. Yeah. Also, dad. That's played by uh, the production designer of the <laughs> film. I, uh, I was trying to figure out who it was. Yeah. They, I think they just. I think it was just a day that Seth Meyers was on set, and they're like, "Who looks like a dad?" And they picked the production designer, <laughs> and he was just the guy in the photo. The, the outfit nice. he's already wearing is the outfit he had in the photo. Yep. I'm sure. Yeah. That, that, that's always great. I love stories of random crew members just getting, being like, I like the way you look. You're in now. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think Bill Hader even did that recently for, like, the most recent season of Barry. There was, like, a PA that was on set that he <laughs> thought was funny. It was like, hey, yeah. we feel like this character needs a daughter. Do you want to just, like, do it? That's great. And he just, and she did it. She did her scenes and then was like, all right, putting my headset back in. I'm going to be a PA again. That's awesome. <laughs> just earn your SAG card and then go back to, to PAing. Yeah. That's beautiful. I mean, famously David, David Lynch did that in a uh, twin peaks with, uh, the Bob character. Oh, yeah, the, it was the, a lighting guy. The essential like antagonist of all of twin peaks was just a guy who just happened to be in frame. And he was like, hold on. I it's want like, you to be in this for real. That's you. Insane. You look absolutely weird and terrifying. Will you be the main villain of my <laughs> of my tour de force? It'll only uh, be in one shot in the entire first season, but I promise you, you're gonna have a whole lot more to do as the show goes. Uh-huh. I don't know. Everything else about this movie is yeah, so great. It, it, I, it, I, a I bunch it, of great lines. It hit, oh, it hit yeah. me at such a good time in 2007, <clears> where it was like a perfect. I think it was like eleven. 12 or 11, whatever, math is hard. And it's like, it is like almost a perfect like movie for an 11 or 12 year old. Cause it hits, if you're not going to like analyze, you know, the way that we do on like, you know, the, actually the emotions are good and the family things are good. It just hits so many great jokes and again, doesn't yeah. overstay its welcome. When I think when you're first, at least me, when I was first getting into movies, you're just looking for like fun experiences, yeah. right? Like not necessarily looking for the slow cinema piece that's going to make you contemplate on the form and, uh-huh. you know, what it means to be a human. Like it's, you have to, have to build to that. Absolutely. Exactly. Yeah. Did, did you see a lot of films in theaters in 07? Because you, you like, you saw this. Yeah, like, I, you you seem pretty. It was a thing where yeah. like my family are like our, our main activity was going like to the movies to go see stuff. And a lot of it was, you know, we would make them go see whatever we wanted to see. Then my parents were like, all right, we're watching flight plan with Jody uh, right. Foster. It's like, yep. okay, we'll watch flight plan with Jody Foster. That's fine. <laughs> so I just saw a bunch of stuff. And that was, this was a nice crossover one. Cause the whole family watched uh, SNL together. So we were all, were on the same page of like, we all will like this thing. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. I'm like, I, I watched SNL with my family, like nearly every week, uh, plenty of sitcoms too, but 
Um, I, I feel like this was a Netflix movie for me. I, I hadn't even heard of it, um, but I probably watched it in high school, um, like early high school. Yeah, that's still it's, hit. It's, it's just so interesting because, yeah, it's a thing where like it could have, you know, it came out and like I remember seeing ads for it like a, a bunch of places, but that might have just been that I was on the lookout for it. But it could have uh-huh. easily escaped everybody's like radar, which yeah. it was harder to do back then because, you know, people were just watching stuff. But now it's super easy to like miss anything well they, they, yeah. you're right there was more of a monoculture so it's like you you could advertise something on tv and reliably get to most people because mm-hmm. most people had that appointment viewing yeah. for shows and everybody yeah. would have been like oh i i remember seeing something about this rather right. than yeah. a complete like i mean the are you there god it's me margaret i saw no ads for that whatsoever I saw a couple ba- bus ads but I, that that was it i saw like maybe like one twitter ad i saw absolutely nothing until like somebody like you know it's one of the people on youtube was like and this upcoming weekend uh this movie's coming out i was like wow and then i saw it and it's a great movie dude there's so many indies like that where i'm like Mm -hmm. oh this is out i gotta make sure to see it in the next two weeks or it will be out of theaters and then you just never see it because you missed it yeah just terrible such was the plight of hot rod in 2007 mcgruber in 2010 it's insane though because they did that National Movie Theater Day last year where mm-hmm. with $3 movie ticket prices mm-hmm. everywhere. Yeah. And, and I was living in North Hollywood, um, and I and went to the, the Lamel up there. And I was looking at movie times, and, like, there, there were movies like Funny Pages that, like, the Safdie brothers, like, produced, mm-hmm. like, yeah. A24 release, just didn't really get much fanfare at all when it came out. Um, and it was, like, that movie had, like, half the audience sold out when I was looking at tickets. I was yeah. just, like... Every yeah. movie that day was hitting. Like, there's yeah. there's ways to get people into the seats uh, to to even see weird stuff. But. I I love the Lemley. Oh, it's great. Yeah, it's I used to live like down the street from there too. I so. currently live down the street from wow, there. Wow, we all had a little triangulation of being in the same place at a certain point in time. Uh-huh. <laughs> same theater, different viewings. Yes. Yeah, I saw I saw cats at the <laughs> oh, no. at the at the at the NoHo Lemley. Wow. And it that, was, that was an art house theater experience. to watch cats. It was yep. such a beautiful cinematic experience, truly. Yeah. I watched that at the uh, AMC Burbank Six. The, and we the love smallest the one. small one, like, yeah. small the one, one in the mall. Uh, no, not the, the no. That that's eight. the eight. That's eight. Okay. Uh, no, so you're inside AMC's baseball. Dude. Uh, I, I just went to the eight for the first time. I, I wow. haven't been to the six. Yeah. No, that's a. I mean, the eight's actually my favorite one to go to when I'm like alone, where I'm just like, I oh, want to yeah. just get lost in the mall. Maybe yeah. I'll get something at the food court, just like you know. Whatever. Right. Uh, but anyways, the Burbank 6 was great for the movie because we all kind of, you know, you go down the escalator and you're yep. kind of in your own little world yeah. and a fully sold out crowd for cats. <laughs> it just And then we come out and we are, we're all joined in unison for how we felt about it. <laughs> I, I would have loved like a sold out screening. I, uh, I, w- I was in Vegas uh, back home because it, it was like a holiday release and my friend Scarlett was in town. And it was one of those, like, I'm not going to go see this by myself. But if you, you know, you, you have the certain type of friends that it's perfect to go see a bad yes. movie with. Um, and so we went to this place called the Texas Station. Most of the movie theaters in Vegas are inside uh, casinos. Huh. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, because, the, you know, the casinos will have the land and the space and the money to make them, essentially. Uh-huh. Um, Doesn't your airport have slot machines? Every, oh, yeah. Yeah, ga- the gas stations have slot machines. <laughs> The less the, it's not it's not just that the gas stations have slot machines; it's that there's always one person playing them. Yes, <laughs> like like anywhere you go, that one. that's the thing. It's like, it's and, and if you don't one. see someone playing it, it's going to be you in a moment. Yeah. <laughs> Wait a minute, am I that guy? Yes. 
Um, anyways, we, we saw it in a, you know, there's probably like 12 people in the crowd, but we were, you know, definitely dying and, and a few people around us too, but man, cats, what a time. I saw the butthole cut too. You saw the butthole I was cut. in the first week. Wow. Yeah. Oh yeah. Me too. Yeah. See, the, I, the unfinished, uh, I saw the hands. Effects. I must yeah. have, I remember the hands. I don't think I saw the, I don't think I saw the buttholes. I think I was like one beyond the buttholes, but not quite. So the hands were fixed. Yet. Right. Uh. Because they kept sending updates of that movie out every oh single week. God. It's so crazy that, like, that's... I mean, I, I, I hear that's how animated movies um, get released. It's like they, yeah, they, re- they give the file about a week before the movie comes mm-hmm. out. Oh. I think they said something even about, like... Because we're recording this right now, like, while Spider-Verse is oh, in, yeah. like, its third right. week. And apparently there's, like, multiple different versions at different theaters because certain theaters just are receiving the files at different times. Yeah. yeah. Well, they had a sound problem, too. Oh, or something that's true, like they yeah, so they had to remix it. Yeah. All, all great, all great hot rods. All great hot. Hey, cinema, I, baby. This is, this is what this is what I listen for. I knew know. what I was doing when I mentioned cats, but I had to. <laughs> but I mean, the thing about hot rod though is that it's so perfect. What even is there to talk about after once you've gone over the I, fact that seriously. it's great? Yeah, I know. I'm like, even even the jokes like feel pretty self evident, where you're just yeah. like. Yeah, we we could go through them, but I'm like, uh, I the one I want to point out is just Will Arnett's entire character. Absolutely, Killer. because number one, something that I am always watching out for uh, is in movies, especially when there's when when there's a gal who's the romantic interest of the main character. Yes, yeah. And uh, what I what this movie got like major brownie points for me. Because it did not do the lazy, oh, uh, the shitty boyfriend who's shitty is cheating on her, and that's the reason she could, right. and that's the thing that gives her permission Wh- to leave Which is him. maybe even implied, because in the diner scene, like, he goes and, like, he's flirting with another girl. Yeah. But, like, it, you're, you're right. It's not, it, like, they, they fully know, okay, this is the thankless type of female role, but we're going to write it in a way that, like, we, we know it's a thankless role. Yeah. And we're going to play with the tropes around that. Yeah. And, well, like, specifically just, like, just him being a huge douche, douche is enough uh, to want to uh, al- allow her to to leave him. Right. Uh and also, like, Will Arnett just plays such a good asshole. Literally yes. perfect. I don't, like, one of the, the like, there, there's probably few people who can play an asshole it's better so than him. No, he's when it comes down so to so good. It. I, I, I got one of those behind-the-scenes things. They only got him for two days, <laughs> like, on the movie. So every single scene he was in, they had to, like, restructure the whole thing. Be like, All right, got to figure out how to do him. Like, when he actually shows up, the character shows up, that's not him because they shot those on different days. So in oh, the background, so out wow. of focus, it's a guy yeah. that kind of looks like Will Arnett. <laughs> Uh, movie magic. That's no. great. Yeah. I, in that same vein, I do with uh, Isla Fisher's character. Like she, you can tell she's on board with Rod from the beginning. That's like, what I love. Absolutely. That like it was so great to not have to be a thing where she has to like be convinced to like him. No. Like she clearly likes him from the beginning. She's with this guy just because they went separate ways, and she kind of is a little bit not doesn't like this guy very much. Yeah. yeah. Like when he shows up, she's pr- already kind of on like a lot of unspoken like backstory type of things with these two characters that work out just in ways, especially when Will Arnett just does everything that's every cliche shitty boyfriend thing where he's babe, like, babe, 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 wait, babe, 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 babe. Don't you two go falling in love while I'm over it. Babe. 
<laughs> I like this so good. Oh uh, my god. Yeah. And like, so Isla Fisher in this movie, this is weird girl representation. This is this is the cornerstone of what I'm about. Oh yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I, I think like also just building on, on, on what you're saying, uh I I like Isla Fisher's position works really well because it lets Rod suck at at you know uh, uh, flirting with her right yeah. like she is so clearly into him and and discounting all of his weirdo behavior uh-huh. he doesn't actually have to try to win her over and yeah. and that's why it works it's just fix yourself and realize you know what is in front of you and and you'll be fine uh-huh. well, it's like she even recognizes like you know when he does stuff because he you know you know whispers when she walks away when they first interact it's like uh, I think you're pretty. And she like turns around and says what? But like she heard him. Yeah. She's right. just, and then he goes like, you uh, look shitty. You and look shitty. She's oh. smiling, not because she's dumb, but just because she knows that that's not what he said. And exactly. it's a very like sweet moment. I know. So, like, so I, I really enjoy, especially for like 2007, not to bash 2007 too much. Please. But you that's know. What we're here for. It's, yeah, that's <laughs> this a is good. a We Hate <laughs> Movies podcast. It's a good point. But like, <laughs> but like just like the 2000s were not very kind to female characters no. in general, especially especially when they're romantic leads, uh, and so like, so I just I just found her to be very compelling, uh, because because of just how quickly she is down, or like not even quickly because like she doesn't change at all, uh, uh, she doesn't like change her mind about it because. It's just how she's immediately already in for Rod's weirdness. Oh, yeah, because, like, yeah, he, then, he, you know, when he's like, I need to tell you something, and he's like, who would win in a fight, a grilled cheese or a taco? And she, like, hesitates for a moment just, again, because she thinks he's going to ask him a different question. Exactly. And when he doesn't, she's like, okay, I'll take this seriously. She, but funny. she does ask. She says, is that really what you were going to yeah. ask me? Is like, that really what yeah, you were going to ask with, with the energy from before. Yeah, yeah. and again, funny because... Of course, but also a real character moment. Yeah. And then she answers it. And she answers genuinely. He's <laughs> yeah. like, grilled cheese in a fair fight. Taco fits uh, if it's, it's street rolls. Rolls. For us. And, even, and again, for a 2007 movie, Andy Samberg goes, wow, that's kind of racist, but correct. <laughs> it's like, uh, yep. somewhat of an acknowledgement that it's racist. Exactly. Well, but just like that, that's kind of like where the, the, the moment was, right? Like you wouldn't yell cancel culture <laughs> yeah. or something like that. But you kind of be like, I don't know. That kind of rubs me a little rough. Like, mm. <laughs> yeah. uh, and then we get that amazing payoff. You were right. Taco one. Taco one. <laughs> oh yeah. But yeah. When he, he dies, he's fully bleeding on the ground. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and Andy's like yelling, finish him like to the taco. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, also, also the setup of that, of that joke of he's probably up there having some profound, experience uh, experience yeah. that, that is a pretty profound experience though oh yeah i mean if you listen if you see a grilled cheese get murdered that's gonna change your whole worldview absolutely <laughs> the whole trajectory of your life is off i mean haven't we all murdered grilled cheeses <laughs> except for the lactose intolerant i apologize well they kill them in different ways they make them and then they just like demolish them just, that's like, true throw them in the trash yeah. that's true. Just i just them. take lactate to trick my body into d- digesting the things i want it to I promise this is good. 
There's a, I was going to bring up when Rod quits being a stuntman and he's shopping in the grocery store. <laughs> um, he like, it's so funny because he, he's pushing a cart. You can't see what's in it. He picks up a bottle of liquor and he puts it in. And when he puts it in, it just reveals the entire rest of the cart <laughs> oh. is liquor. And, oh my God. and then they come in, they're like, Rod, what are you doing? Uh, I'm grocery shopping. <laughs> uh, not a, not a normal guy now. Like, yeah. So uh, good. Oh, my, actually, I think my favorite uh, planted payoff is the first joke in the movie is that Rod like gets ready on the ramp and he's like, you know, like spirit of the fox come to me, which yep. again is like, you know, making fun of people being like, I have to have spirit animals. But then it comes to fruition at the very end when he's like, he has five. all the power of the animals. Well, he, and he starts building them as he's training. Like yes. he, yeah. before he does the lung test, he's like, okay, this is the dolphins trial. Yes. Um, that that to me felt like a Will Ferrell script holdover. Yeah, that, that, yeah. I was like, oh, I could see Ferrell killing that line. Oh, one hundred percent. I feel like that one's one where they like read the script and they didn't know how to open the movie, so they're like, oh, it needs to be like a silly joke because that feels like a a thing where he would spout out like three different things, like you know how he does in a Anchorman, where it's like Great Odin's Raven, you know, exactly. by the beard of Zeus. Like he would have said a number of different animals. Yeah, he would have in. He would have improvised the day on. Yeah. 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 And that's absolutely. like a placeholder joke for whatever he was going to do. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Still good, though. I mean, I think Andy takes this into his own realm well mm. enough. And they and they certainly dumbed down enough of the script to, to fit into their style. Mm. Um, but, uh, yeah. What are you guys' thoughts on AM radio? Do you think that <laughs> a young man should in so fact good. be urinating onto an FM radio and also a color television set? <laughs> Just the way he says "colored TV," like like with oh, such yeah. malice, <laughs> it's so funny. As you can see, there are two streams. I like to think that that young man had just had sex, and some of the residue was still there and split it into two streams. <laughs> it's the thing that feels improvised, but they had to do a tattoo joke, which yep. only it was playing. Only Chris yeah. Parnell can sell a line like that. It's too. so like true. Like that's that's exactly the type of, of line you hear in another comedy and roll your eyes at. And that's what's so funny about Chris Parnell is that he's like, it's it's so rare that I see him as not a bit character. But he does his bits so fucking well, yeah. and is like the is the highlight of the scenes that he's in. It, it's why he's so like undersung as Jerry in Rick and Morty. Yeah. Oh, because yeah. he's like constantly playing the straight man, but also the fool and the butt of the joke. Like, uh, but he's able to kind of switch between all of them. A Swiss Army joke, if you will. It, yeah, absolutely. But also bring in like some emotional punch, like when they get to that. I think yeah, the other thing about Chris Parnell is that he he has that regular guy face, regular guy voice, mm-hmm. but knows how to use it. Like he, I think you're actually saying it well. It's almost a com- combination. He's he's the fool who thinks he's the straight man. Like yeah. he's he does he is completely the ridiculous thing, but he plays everything like everything he's doing is because he sees Ebenezer Scrooge come out of a school bus, and he does. And it's not a thing where it's like. You know, most people be like, that's weird. Like, they'd comment on being weird, but he gets excited. He's like, Ebenezer Scrooge is here with a cooked goose. And it's and it's exciting for him. He loves that. Oh, my God. That joke got me. <laughs> uh, do you ever, like, acknowledge, like, technical difficulties on here? Yeah. Okay. Um, oh, very so, nice. So, uh, yes, as you can hear, uh, Chris Angel was, in fact, in the wire work trying to silence mm-hmm. uh, this operation. But, terrible, you know, man. But terrible. he was... Uh, Unvictorious. 
Exactly. He took out the first channel, but we had the backup channel. Uh-huh. So he well, didn't yeah. count. He didn't count on that. Damn you, Chris Angel! <laughs> That's why Chris Angel never thinks of a backup plan. He's just got his one thing. <laughs> so usually my magic tricks work out. Oh, shit, I don't have magic tricks. All right, Cirque du Soleil, come in. Come in. That's actually probably what it is, is because Cirque du Soleil is so good on wires, they probably like messed with your whole system here. There he brought go. them in. Oh, Fuck. Yeah. dude. Cracked it. Cracked the that's a That's a real mind freak. That's a mind freak. That's <laughs> My mind... Is freaked. I'm freaked out right now. You guys have a, a favorite uh, uh, digital short from the Andy Samberg days? Like any anything uh, that speaks I'm glad, to you? I'm glad you brought this up. Yes. Dear sister really just like uh, yeah. Dear me. sister is so hard to beat. It's I I there's I love the like more obscure ones. There's a, a later one that's like uh, uh, Iran, which is like a take on the song. Iran, but yeah. it's about uh, Mahmoud Ahmadinejad uh, right. uh, coming to New York, and it becomes a love story where this guy's trying to court Mahmoud Ahmadinejad uh, when he comes, and it's a very, very funny. And then you get Adam Levine from uh, from Maroon Five to be oh part of it, uh, killer social commentary, and just so funny. That's great. Uh, there's also one where they where uh, it's this is a throwback. Is a uh, Horatio Sands is in one of them. Yes. Uh, and uh, it's like Andy, Seth, and like some other guy, and they notice they're like doppelgangers. It's like, oh hey, that guy. Oh, that looks like me. And then what? The one is like, oh my god, Andy, that guy looks exactly like you. And it's Horatio Sands. And then <laughs> yeah, like, that I've doesn't look that. anything like me. And then he like walks. The Horatio Sands walks over, and they're like, oh, oh no, wait, which one of them's the real one? Then they do like the cliche like <laughs> sci-fi thing where they pulls out the gun. It's like, who should, who do I need to shoot? It's like you don't need to shoot anyone. It, <laughs> Uh, killer oh, killer killer bits that just get get lost to time absolutely yeah. even lazy sunday like that that being their first video feels pretty lost yeah, at the time because it wasn't their first one it was like it was like five or six i think in their actual digital it was just the first no, one you're that, probably like, right. that was on. the first yeah viral that's yeah because mm-hmm. i remember it being a thing like when that season started again i've, I've got the snl encyclopedia up in here good is like their first one was just called lettuce which was just Andy Samberg and uh, Will Forte like talking about something serious like on a stoop and then just in a moment of silence Will Forte just pulls out a head of lettuce and just starts eating it like it's an apple <laughs> and they just do that back and forth while they're like talking about something serious and that's that's the first one that's that's beautiful yeah that's solid I love the one that uh where it's like a it's a musical where he's like I don't know why, but I feel like today's gonna be a great a, day. Uh, great day is good, yeah. Great day, and he's just and, and on he's just cocaine. on drugs. He is on cocaine. And he's being like, my wife left me, my kids left me, no one loves me, but it's okay. It's, <laughs> it's yeah. I love the the Mi- Michael Bolton, uh, oh. Jack, Jack, Sparrow <laughs> Jack Sparrow one. It's great. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, obviously, a Dick in the Box. You know, mm-hmm. like how are you not Dick in the Box? Wait, what's the other Timberlake one? Uh, um, they did. They had like a trilogy. It was like yeah. it was a uh, mother lover was the second one. Mother lover is so Mother's good. Day. Wait, and with Lady did, Gaga, right? Uh, that one was three way. That was the third. one. Oh, that's three way. Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. right. That's right. They, that was how they closed it out. I think that was yeah. like his like second to last digital short was three way. That's wild. Damn. Yeah, different era. Uh, have you? Are you still up on SNL? Uh, I watch it every like once. I I don't watch it like live anymore. If like the clips come on YouTube, I'll usually take some time to to watch them. Yeah. In general. I, I tend to mostly be a clip guy too nowadays. I, I just got a little burned on the, the cast turnover. I think like yeah. most people do, they feel like they have a great generation or two and then they, they fall out. 
so much of this current cast like has been there for like what people used to think was a long time, but now staying there for like seven to ten seasons Dude, is like normal. the norm. Yeah, it's crazy. Well, like I remember when Keenan Thompson hit like fourteen seasons, mm-hmm. and everyone was like. This is like the longest running cast member ever. And he's <laughs> like, still there. And he's still there now. God yeah. damn. He even had, he had a whole sitcom, uh, like self-titled sitcom that <laughs> came did. and went in the time that he's been. But he's been on crazy. Saturday Night Live long enough to know that you have to wait to see if it gets past the first season. Yes. Or, True. You know, because he's like, the amount of people that left thinking their careers were going to take off and then it went nowhere. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I imagine him being the guy that'll stick around to season 50 and he, then he'll be like, you're on your own from here. Yeah, he yeah. Feel, he feels like the almost the most natural Lauren Michaels successor mm-hmm. just because of his length there. Right. And then the rest of his life has been in sketch comedy too. Yeah. Oh, and yeah, and true. you're just like, this is probably just what this guy does, like period. I guess yeah. I guess besides, yeah, being I mean, he played essentially himself on Keenan and Kel, but mm-hmm. that, Which was born out of a sketch, right? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. I think it was born out of yeah, and all that thing. And then him playing Fat Albert in a movie. And that's kind of like his two like big Larger things. Everything else is like bit parts mm-hmm. yeah. in sketch comedy. Insane. Fat Albert being one of your larger things. I guess I gotta go now. That's, uh, <laughs> that's it. That's pretty pretty good capper there. <laughs> and Fat Albert. I haven't thought about that movie adaptation in a hot minute. Yeah, there's like this kind of goes back to MacGruber also, but there's like a lot of movies that I. For a while, I was like, I guess that was just a hallucination, where I just hallucinated wa- uh, seeing a trailer on TV, because and then never heard anything about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they're real. Right. Everything you think was was fake. And that's the thing. As a kid, you know, like time is stretched, so you just yeah. see like an ad campaign for something for so long, and it's like it's your reality is like this trailer of a movie. Oh yeah. My my big one was. Weirdly, the Tim Burton Planet of the Apes movie. Oh my god! Like for some reason, that t- commercial like played on like Cartoon Network or whatever like constantly. But it was not. Oh, it was usually the same trailer, but they would change it from. In seven days, you will see this. In six <laughs> days, so like I had the countdown oh to god. it, right? But I remember seeing that like you know three or four times a day that would say in six days, then in five days, and then I never saw the Tim Burton Planet of the Apes because I felt overwhelmed by the trailer. <laughs> Too much anticipation. Too much going on. What is going to happen at this planet? (laughs) Nothing can live up to my expectations. Oh, my God. Truly. Truly. Well, uh, yeah. Thanks so much for coming on, guys. You're so welcome. Thank Um, you for having us. Uh, It makes sense that you wanted me on for the episode that's about hot. Yeah. The hot Hot. double. The The hot hot. double with with a hot triple. uh, There it is. (laughs) That's a a closer right there. It's no notes. Uh, yeah, any any final plugs? You, uh, or you guys... Uh, I mean, we plugged at the beginning, so... That's yeah, fair. just, you know, go to yeah. go to 2 Lemon on YouTube. Uh, watch. There's a lot of really good stuff. We got we got some we got some great sketches. Lauren, if you're listening to this one with you, from your boy... Hey, Lauren Rod. Michaels, I think I could be on SNL. <laughs> and I'm going to be... Exactly. <laughs> do you know that guy I'm talking yeah, about? Yeah, no, he's like, I think I'd be the cast member on SNL. It's so bad. Uh, do that, and then we make a lot of music videos. Uh, look at the Tox Arts. They're cool guys. Uh, we do yeah. a lot of their videos, so... That's that's my plug. Oh yeah, thanks uh, again. For weird film takes, you can follow me on Letterboxd. Yes, uh, at Goddammit Robin. Let's go. Yeah, gotta there pump go. that letterbox. Uh, if you're still on the dying hell site, that's Twitter. Uh, <laughs> I, you can find me at the same uh, handle. <laughs> awesome. 
Well, uh, yeah, you can follow us, Instagram, Twitter, uh, Letterboxd, all that stuff. Video editions available on YouTube, audio, wherever you find audio podcasts. Uh, this has been Cinema Span. Thanks for listening. Thank you. Woo. Thanks. I'm Rod and I like to party. I'm Rod and I like to party. I'm Rod and I also like to party. I just I was thinking that would be my thing. but I, I, You can't be to party. I like to party. Uh, you, can't, you, you can't be the only one who parties. We all like to party. I'm the only one who really parties around here, so. But I, I, I also like to party. I'm Rod and I like to party. I like to party. I'm Rod and I like to party! <laughs> Hi, I'm Chris Angel, mind freak. <laughs> Mr. Mind Freak in the house. <laughs> you gotta like, you gotta like edit so that it sounds like we got cut off. <laughs> this is Chris Angel. I've broken in. <laughs> Just gunshots. <laughs> Look at me. I'm the podcast host now. <laughs>